It's the Dead City Drive-In Halloween Special! Starring Brandon Windish and Chris Holcomb with special guests Alan Ludden, Charo, Dick Gautier, Charles Nelson Riley, special guest appearances by Bob Denver, Nipsey Russell, and a rock and roll explosion, Captain Beefheart. And now, the Dead City Drive-In Halloween Special! Hi, I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. Somebody had to be. Well, here we are again, the podcast answer to Trick or Treat. It's been a year since our last special. Was it something we said? As you know, there's a real scary holiday coming up. Yeah, Election Day! So, to get you warmed up for it, we're going to do a special Halloween show! You know, Chris, Halloween's my favorite holiday. What other day of the year can you put edibles into a kid's candy? (laughs) Oh, but seriously, we always give a prize for the funniest costume. Last year, I said that the prize goes to the first one that rings my bell. It was my Avon lady. (laughs) So I gave her a big fat (laughs) ding-dong. Okay, that's enough. This is stupid, dude. I mean, who wrote these jokes? Bruce Valanche's dipshit younger brother? You're right. I'm sorry, but it's Halloween, man. I, I, I just wanted to do something special for our listeners. It, it, it really, actually, it has been almost a year since our last episode dropped. Yeah, but look at this guest list. I mean, these people aren't even alive. How did you expect to have them on the show? I don't know. I'd conjure them up. Don't we still have that little book of big boy magic laying around Yeah, here? but we're still regretting the last time we used that book. Do I really need to remind you about Bort the Dipshit Wizard? Okay, uh, so what do you suggest? Well, it just so happens I took a little jaunt across the road to that old abandoned farm. <gasps> you, do you mean Devil Man's Hell Farm? Chris, that place is haunted. That's what they say. Did you see anything spooky? I heard that Jimmy Tutut spent the night there last Halloween and woke up to a skeleton trying to bite off his wiener. Well, wading through Ectoplasm Creek was kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. And climbing up Bleeding Gary's Creep Hole was a little nerve-wracking. But once I got to the pumpkin patch... Everything seemed totally normal. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You found the lost pumpkin patch. You bet. And even better, I found this giant pumpkin. Wow. Holy shit. That's the biggest pumpkin I've ever seen. What are we going to do with it? Well, what are you supposed to do to a pumpkin? Carve it. it. Uh, that's, carve it is what I said. Yes. Okay. If we both gang up on this thing, we can get it done even faster. Our drive-in will be spookified in no time. Well, Chris, what are we waiting for? Let's get to it! Wow, Chris, that's gotta be the creepiest jack-o'-lantern face I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's strange. While I was carving it, it was like something was guiding my hand. Oh, you're just you're just trying to give me the Halloween. No, I'm willies. serious. It was almost as if the pumpkin was carving its own face. <gasps> Did you see that? What 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 what? The pumpkin just 
winked at me. Har har, Chris, a living jack-o'-lantern. That's rich. I'm not joking, Brandon. I think we should just get rid of this thing. Let's go back to conjuring up Ethel Merman or... Whoever the fuck. Chris, Please, if you look, think I'm serious, that I'm going to buy Why this would I make up a winking Silence. What? The Great Blumpkin speaks. The Great Blumpkin commands. Oh, command us, Lord. From an ancient skull, my seed was sown. From a withered vine, my gourd was filled. A rain of blood gave me strength. And a steady hand brought me life. What was will be. What is will be no more. Now is the season of evil. Damn it, I knew Wizard Port was probably out in the pumpkin patch jerking off into the dirt. Program me a marathon that I might live again. Excuse me? A marathon? 24 hours of cinematic atrocity. Programmed and sequenced for the ultimate Halloween marathon. 24 hours? That's like, what is that, like 12 or 13 movies? You know, that doesn't sound like such a bad idea. Yeah, it actually, it sounds kind of awesome, actually. The Great Blumpkin demands it! Uh, Okay, okay, calm your tits, Charlie Brown, we'll do it. Yeah, but not because you demanded it. Yeah. We wanted to do something special for Halloween anyway. It'll be fun to come up with movies for a full 24 hours of non-stop spookies. Well, if you wouldn't mind, I I have a few suggestions. Oh, for fuck's sake. The Great Blumpkin demands it! Okay, you demand it. We heard you. How about you give us some suggestions? But we get to sequence them. Yeah, and and we want to throw in a few picks ourselves. But... No buts, you old bitch! Well, I suppose I could allow it just this once. Oh, thank you, Great Blumpkin. You are so generous and giving. Oh, you really think so? No, motherfucker. It's a dick move hijacking Halloween, but we're giving you a pass because this is almost perfect for a special episode. Fair enough. Okay, now how should we go about getting suggestions from you? Reach through my head hole and into my rotten guts. The seeds will reveal my evil desires. Okay, uh, Chris, you go first. You brought this mess on us. Come on, Chris. Oh, that's right. Use the whole fist. Would you please shut up? You're making me feel weird. Sorry, it just tickles. Gross. Okay, let's see. Movie number one. All right, uh, trick or treat. Which one? Uh, the, the 2007 Michael Daugherty one. Hey! Trick or treat! Yes, the, the omnibus, the... Yeah, okay. So, I guess our first movie here that we have is Trick or Treat. Dude, um, this is like, has this not become like a, like, beloved cult classic (laughs) since its release? I think so. Well, I mean, it was such a weird situation with this movie to begin with because it, like, it sat on the shelf for, I don't know how long before they finally released it, right? It was a couple years, I think. Yeah? Yeah, I remember reading about it in, like, Fango back in the day and, um... I was like super excited. I was like, I love the concept. They're like, mm-hmm. this is such a wonderful idea. And 
I think it had been a while since anthology films had kicked in. Like, yeah. right? Am I right? Like, I think that it had been a while since I had seen anything. So yeah, I mean, this one I'm trying to think who all was in this. I mean, Brian Cox is in there. Yeah, um, um, Dylan, not Dylan Walsh. Dylan, the other Dylan. Dylan, Dylan Baker. Dylan, Dylan Baker. Baker. Dylan right. Baker. Anna Paquin. Yeah. Anna Paquin. Um. Jeez. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, this whole thing takes place on Halloween night, and it's like, uh, I think, what, three or four stories that are kind of intertwined in this one small town that's having its Halloween festivities. And then, of course, you have the characters that kind of, you know, like ships passing in the night. Yeah, know? it's like an anthology movie more like uh, Pulp Fiction is than, yeah, than yeah. like, say, the Amicus Tales from the Crypt, yeah. where it's just random separate So there's tales. not really a wraparound story. It's just that this is all taking place on the same night. Groups of different characters and different locuses uh, during the course of the movie. But, you know, you've got, there's like a serial killer story in there. There is a werewolf story in there. Yep, yeah. There is this, the little figure Sam, I guess, which, you know, kind of looks like a kid and he's like, I don't know, like kind of like a scarecrow. He's got like a burlap sack or something on his head. Yeah, yeah. And everything. So there's that. A ghost trick-or-treaters. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a, it's a good spooky, uh, um, you know, anthology movie. Is it shot in Canada? Was it a Canadian lens? You know, I don't know, eh? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I get this kind of feeling that, you know, there maybe, like, could be sort of a, this, uh, this, you know, there's, I think I saw Molson's in there, and maybe some poutine. Chocolate mousse. Yeah, yeah. Everything more, more from, mousse, from yeah. Crumbs, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they were drinking the bats, or were they having Molson's? I can't remember. I don't know. Uh... In what, in Gremlins too? I don't remember seeing any Timmies in, in... No, I'm talking about, you know, Trick or Treat. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I could go for some Timbits right now. Ooh. What do you love about this movie, dude? Uh, well, number one, it's an anthology movie. Yeah. I, I love anthology movies. And the fact that it takes place on Halloween, and it does have a slightly different, you know, take on it. There's not really a host. There's not really a wraparound story where the stories are introduced. It's got a very kind of organic feel to it. And like you said, that kind of like nonlinear Pulp Fiction way of, of telling the tales, um, I, I dug it. I really it was it. always a movie that, like, I remember the first time I saw this movie because it, it was so hyped. I was so excited for it. And then the first time I saw it, I think I was just like so disappointed. And Really? Yeah. And I, But you know what? It's weird because I, like, I think about it now, like in retrospect, and I... It's 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 incredible how like the your like your environment <laughs> you're in <laughs> kind of changes the way that you view a movie because I remember at the time I had spent um, a lot of time a lot of resources and a lot of money trying to make a film mm-hmm. um, at that point and it was a, a Halloween set horror film. Oh yeah, this was the uh, the Vulture's Nest. Sure, movie yeah, we'll just call right? it that. Yeah, Vulture's it's, Nest. We don't need to talk about the title of it. Yeah. We don't need people to Google it or look it up. It was a it was a really difficult experience. It was my film school. It was one of the worst, um, one of the worst breakups I've ever had in my life. And I think that it came out, or I, the the failure of that film occurred simultaneously with the official release of Trick or Treat. And I think at that point I was so sick of Halloween. So you projected on this. I, movie, I really Brandon. did because I've watched it subsequently, and it's you know it, it's like aged a little better, kind of like Crystal Skull. Me, like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> like it's gotten like for me better. Like each subsequent viewing, I've enjoyed it a little more. I've appreciated the rhythms of it a little more. Um, so. 
and th- and it's just fascinating that this is like a movie that nuked the pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, trick or treat's fun, man. Um, it really is. It's a fun uh, Halloweeny it vibe. It's a nice R-rated, fun. bloody, nasty. It's nasty. Fun. It's got a nice mean spiritedness mm-hmm. to it. And did you ever see the uh, short, the animated short that Michael Doherty did as like a animated um, uh, Halloween card? To people mm, i don't think so that's kind of what this whole thing was based on he had written a kind of had, like how all hallows eve turned into terrifier i don't know i don't know anything about that movie really no i know oh, nothing okay. know nothing about it actually oh that's something that i should sit down and make you watch never watch those movies yeah i hate to say it i have a i have a blind spot with a lot of modern stuff yeah though. it was uh, it was one of those movies well honestly we're not here to talk about that movie we're here to talk about it but you know we'll 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 address that we'll 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 write that wrong but yeah no trick-or-treat man 2007 michael doherty um i think that this would be a fantastic thing to watch nice all right well um let's uh i guess it's i guess it's my time to fist the great blumpkin you got city boy hands brandon been counting money all your life. God, we have to do this how many times? Until we have enough movies programmed for 24 hours. Just just get it in there and get it done. All right, what do I got? What do I got? The Fog. Ooh. Hey, Great Blumpkin. Good choice. Okay, mm-hmm. John Carpenter's 1980 follow-up to the classic and maybe obvious choice, Halloween. Yeah. Um, Chris... I love the fog. Brandon, I love the fog too. So what are we going to do about this? Well, we can kiss. When I DP the fog? <laughs> uh dude, I it's like I know Halloween is the one for everybody. I get it. And I know even the thing is the one. But if you were to add, again, depending on what day of the week it is that you asked me, there are days where I say the fog is my favorite John Carpenter movie. I have very similar days like that. Yeah, it's just like, it's such a cool, creepy ghost story. Mm-hmm. And the oh, fucking, the atmosphere of this movie. I, I have a thing that I do when I watch this. I, I will only watch The Fog on the day that I feel the first cold come in to our city. Yeah. Like I, even though this movie takes place in April, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I need I. This movie works best when you can have your windows open oh, yeah. and feel the cold. And I mean, I'm, I can hear the John Carpenter soundtrack in my head, dude. I love that score. I prefer. It's my. It might be. I, I don't want to make a definitive statement here because obviously everything we say here is set in stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it might be my favorite Carpenter score. It's, it's so spooky. Atmospheric, yeah, definitely. That piano in there. Okay, I will say this about the movie too. I like this movie has um one of it showcases one of the things that scares me more than anything. And I'll tell a quick little story about why. Um and I might have told the story on on an episode before. I don't know. Uh So when I lived in LA, there was my apartment was like a um uh, you know, it was like a typical LA apartment. Like, there's a quad, two in the fours. The pool. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I was there, like that Daniel Larusso apartment in Reseda and Karate Kid. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And actually, my apartment looked exactly like his well, there you in, go. in that. In that, yeah. So, but one night it was like really, really late. I had a roommate, and uh, outside of my door there was a loud. Um, 
in order to get into the apartment, you had to type in a code, and it opened up a big metal door. That door, when it closed, you could not be quiet. It slammed shut. So you knew when somebody was coming home. You always knew, and you knew when somebody was leaving. You could not get around it, ever. So, one night, I'm dead asleep, and I just hear this on my front door at the apartment. And I'm laying in it. It wakes me up from my, dead from my sleep. And I'm like, what? And I hear it again. It's just bang, knocking on the door. And I hope, I'm hoping my roommate who's closest to the door is the one that's going to answer the door. And he is dead to the world. He will never wake up. Nothing will wake this guy up. So I get up. But your babysitter, Mrs. Kobritz, goes and answers Dude, the door, Dude, I right? wish I had a Mrs. Kobritz. Yeah. I wish. I get up. I, go, I'm, I remember so vividly walking toward the door. And just like in a movie, you could see like the camera's just slowly dollying in, mm-hmm. like pushing in on the door. I get to the door. I'm so close to it. I'm about to look in the peephole. And right as I do that, about to look in, again, scares them. I see the door shaking. I'm mm-hmm. so scared. And I just kind of stand there for a second. Mm. Finally, I get the courage and I look in the peephole and there's nobody in the hallway. And of course, you sounded like this. Yeah. Who the hell is it? Who is it? I'm like, what the hell you want? So I get the, I open up the door. Mm-hmm. There is nobody, no fucking buddy in this little quad. Nobody has gone through this door to exit. I don't hear the door slam. It's only in and out. There's nobody around anywhere. You can't hear anybody's doors. It's, I close the door. I know who was. Locked it and I just slowly went into the bedroom, but hid under the covers. I was like, when I wake up, everything will be okay. Who was it, Chris? It was Rob Poteen. <laughs> it was fucking Rob Poteen. Hey! He's showing up at the door like- Well, exactly, because it was real estate that he was trying to sell. No, he's like, you got any Coke? Mm. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> you mind if I get a bump? Mm-hmm. Anyway, dude, that movie, or that scene, I will always, the scene in the fog- when Mrs. Kobritz, no, it's when um, the scene in the fog when uh, Tom Atkins, after or he's Charles Cyphers too, they kind of do that one. too. Yeah, but it's the one where where uh, he's just slept with Jamie Lee Curtis, ah, and there's okay. somebody knocking on the door, and he looks, and the weight that figure just recedes into the fog. Yeah. Dude, I know I I spent a lot of time talking about that story, but like I that that movie L.A. Tales with Brandon Windish. Yeah, we'll save it for our next podcast. But how about you, Chris? Well, I never lived in L.A., so I can't tell a story like that. I mean, I could go through and spend almost five minutes telling a story about how I had somebody knocking at my door. Fuck off. Why I... did you like the fog? Why do you like it so Why much? do I like the fog? Yeah. It's atmospheric. I think that's the big yeah. thing that really drives me towards this. I love the atmosphere. I love the pacing of this movie. It's uh, like almost glacially paced yes. and, and weirdly structured. Yeah. Well, but I love it. It works so for good. me. Oh, my it God. Totally it's works so great. for me. And dude, any movie that starts with John Houseman telling a ghost story on a beach. Midnight. Time for one more story. <laughs> uh, my mom also tells a story about uh, when she and my cousin saw this movie in the theaters. Yeah. And they all they always, this is like the biggest scare they've ever had in a movie. When uh, it's that whole opening when shit starts going down in Antonio Bay. And K-A-B, Antonio Bay. Hey, is it Tommy Lee Wallace just show up? <laughs> And uh, oh. and all this stuff starts happening in in the uh, in the town, and there's the one. It's just like a shot of a chair. You know, it's like the gas station starts mm-hmm. filling up or whatever. But then there's just like a shot of a chair, and it moves toward the camera. Yeah, and it uh, makes that loud noise. My mom and my cousin always talk about when they saw that in the theater. 
They screamed, threw their popcorn up in the air, it like oh, went all over the man. place. It's like one of the best jump scares in a movie. And when you watch it with an audience, it still yeah. works. It's God, I love the fucking fog is awesome. Mm-hmm. Five star movie for me. I wholeheartedly, and we're not talking about that piece of shit Tom Welling remake. Go for the oh. original deal. Oh, the worst kind of remake, the one that you forgot ever even existed. Yeah, I well, don't think Just then, let's, let's just keep it. Yeah. In, let, let it sink into the fog. Ugh. Let Rob Bottin with his glowing eyes and his sword just cut that thing to pieces. Also, John Carpenter's in that movie. He's got that one stilted line where he's just oh, like, where he's cleaning up the church. He's like the the sexton for the uh, the Anglican for church Hal, for Hal Holbrook. Yeah. yeah, can I go now, Father? Father, uh, about my paycheck, can I be paid today? And Hal Holbrook's <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, the fog is actually I think is a wonderful spooky Halloween ghost story. Mm-hmm. Even though it's set in April, you're right. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get something else. What else does okay. a great blumpkin say for us? Okay. Let's see. Uh, oh, God. It's warm. Oh, we're in a fed and cold spot. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, this is a shift in tone here. Ernest Scared Stupid. Yes, dude. It is yes! Brandon's favorite movie of all time. Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, my God. Uh, so what year is this? Is like 90... 1991. Okay. Directed by John Cherry III, the late, great John Cherry III. John Cherry Part 3. <laughs> John Cherry 3D. Oh, wow. Dude, okay. This, so this was a, a Disney, a Touchstone Pictures, a yeah. Disney film. Portions of it were shot in Orlando, right? No, that was that was. Uh, oh, that's the uh, Christmas movie. Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah. yeah, this was the fourth and like final of the mainstream um, Ernest series. It was it's the one with the trolls. Saves Christmas. Um, oh no, it was Ernest goes to camp. Ernest saves Christmas. Ernest goes to jail, and then Ernest scared stupid. And then Ernest goes to hell the final Friday, right? <laughs> of course. What's crazy is so these guys they were you know just an ad agency in Tennessee, but the character they created with Jim Varney of Ernest Worrell became so ubiquitous everywhere that they ended up, long story short, making movies out of it. And they hooked up with Disney. Their deal with Disney was uh, they had to turn in, I think it was like every week or every two weeks, a new Ernest pitch. And it didn't matter if it was a full-length script, an outline, or just a logline. They had to pitch Disney, I think, every week. Um, That's an interesting arrangement to have there. Yeah. So basically you can get all kinds of resources and everything, and as long as you can come up with a fresh idea for them every week. They usually said no, and yeah. and for very good reason. And if, by the way, if there's anybody listening that's like an Ernest nerd, I highly recommend you check out the Ernest P. Worrell Preservation Network society. Pod, or Society podcast. <laughs> It's an excellent podcast that actually has the Bible of all these uh, unseen Ernest movies. No shit. And they they go through each and every one of them. Uh, really good show. Uh, a really fun podcast to listen to. Um, anyway, Ernest Scared Stupid was their spooky, scary one. Sure. And um, I, I've talked to people lately who say they were actually traumatized by this movie. Well, you know, thinking about those troll makeups and everything, those were pretty friggin' scary. And what are those troll makeups? At the end when the Legion of Trolls come up, they look oddly familiar, don't they? 
they remind me of somebody. What could it have been? <laughs> no, it's not who you think. It's not who you think it is. Get it? I can see you trying to conjure well, it's up. Not, it's not slimy enough. It's, oh, it's not slimy <laughs> enough. It was, if it was covered in slime, I'd be like, oh, okay. This is going to be some JCB going down. But no. <laughs> this is Buchler's wet dream yeah. happening. It's not quite. But it's a Kyoto Brothers. Uh, was the Kyoto Brothers that they did that? They reused their Killer Clowns oh, clowns. Oh, right. At the, okay, at the end, yes. Yeah, yes, with yes. the exception of the main troll. Yeah. All the other ones are Killer Clown trolls just painted penis colored. Yes. <laughs> what? It's a penis. <laughs> the penis colored clown they call the Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> tiptoes to my room every night so by the way Ernest scared stupid has like the best opening credits ever i th- i feel like they're and it's one of those things where you, when you watch those opening credits because it's like cut with these black and white old 50s monster movies and then Ernest popping up making faces and Hi, being scared and then you know what i mean this hand-drawn um like font and animation and there's like axes and ghoul hands coming down it's so cool so obviously made by an ad agency like the is it as cool as like the opening credit sequence for return of the swamp thing though it's on par it's up there because for as terrible a movie as return of the swamp thing is and i I have a soft spot i do too that movie that opening sequence where they're like going through and showing like all the old comic bits and everything and CCR doing Born on the Bayou, that is in a fan-fucking-tastic yeah. The whole budget's gone right yeah. there in that opening. I read yeah. something with Jim Wynorski talking about how long it took them to do those opening credits. Mm. This is before any kind of digital technology. Yeah. Anyway, Ernest Scared Stupid, dude, It's has also one of my favorite jokes. And that is, Brandon? It's just, the there's like the one thing that can defeat the troll, and it's not quite spelled out in the book. It's M-I and then K are the only letters that are given as to what it is that could defeat the well, troll. Since this was made for Disney, it's M-I-C. Oh. They don't get that far. M-O-U-F-U. There is a lot of K-Y in the movie. I thought we said this wasn't a Beekler movie. No, it's not, but it feels sometimes like it. Methylcellulose. But it's milk is what defeats the troll, but Ernest is so stupid, he doesn't know. Well, he's scared stupid. Come on. That So what he thinks it is, because the L is missing in the in the ancient translation of what mm-hmm. it is, so he thinks it must be something called Miak, and like at the end of the movie, he shows up- Is that like this, Mikrob? I don't know. It's like nonsense. He's like, Miak. It's got to be Miak. At the end of the movie, he shows up with a bottle of something called Miak <laughs> and throws it on the troll. Klaatu Barada. Miak. Yes. <laughs> and the troll's like- what the fuck? <laughs> what what is this? Like this does nothing. It's such a stupid. God, Ernest Scared Stupid is great. It's a great, fun, lighthearted, kind of spooky kids movie for kids. Yeah. All right. Love it, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Good choice, Bumpkin. Got to reach on in there. Come on. Come on. Come on. Ooh. Not the same. Same title. What? But not the same movie. What is this? What What are you What are you doing? Trick or treat? Oh. But this is the 1986. This is the Charles Martin Smith one. That's right. With the soundtrack by Fastway. Yeah. Dude, that's a great. And Skippy from Family Ties, right? Yes. Chris, when's the last time you've seen. It's been fucking forever. Oh, my God. This is a perfect thing to add into this marathon, then. Well, then I'm going to need to sit down and watch this marathon. This is another movie that, like, 
had to weird there's a weird trend with movies called trick or treat that had to grow on me yeah this movie back in the day like a shanker yeah it wasn't quite like uh like like a zit like a michael shanker group michael it just shanker grew on me yeah. um this movie uh it it just it, it changed i remember the last I just remember the fucking trailer for this movie what's the trailer uh well what it is is uh it's uh sammy what's his name sammy kerr sammy kerr standing there on the stage the late like he's, sammy he's kerr he's hitting out the beat on his thigh it's like his leather oh. pant thigh yeah yes yes it's a cool 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 trailer the movie is really cool too. It like it does a weird thing. It it has like kind of weird parallels with I guess like you know what I'm not even going to get in there. But the, the, Skippy from mm-hmm. uh, Family, Ties. Family Ties, his perform he is so fucking good. What's in his it. name? Mark uh, Mark uh, Mark Paul Gossler. No, not Mark. Oh my Paul god! Gossler. I'm so embarrassed that I don't remember his name. It's not like I have a computer sitting around here that I can look it up. Oh, but jeez. Well, you know, keep talking. Okay. Let me see if I can find this on the magic box. Um, but, okay, the movie's got this, like, just rad score by Fastway, who's kind of like one of those, uh, you know, 80s kind of hair metal bands that... Mark Price. Mark Price, who's Actually, also... I should in... remember that. I went to junior high school with a Mark Price. And he's also the star of Killer Tomatoes yeah. Eat France. Yeah. We're really mean to that kid. We should have been nicer to him. Well, anyway. that's weird because all of the people are really mean to Mark Price, Mark Price in yeah. this movie, and he uses the powers of Satan basically to uh, um, get revenge on everybody. It's kind of like a nine seven six evil, but without all the. Well, what's the one with uh, with Ron Howard's little brother in it, where he? Evil speak. Oh, evil speak. It's, yeah. Yes, it's a picked on kid who find, gets his comeuppance, but it goes Through the a little, power of Satan. But it also goes a little too far. But this movie has this awesome, like eight mid eighties metal vibe. It feels like a heavy metal parking lot. Yeah, I don't know about metal vibe. It's like you know, there, I think there's a distinctive difference between like metal and eighties hair band. Okay, maybe it's this is I think the era when that like. That's a good, that's a good point, but I don't know that it, it was as defined because like, as it is let's put now. It this way, like Poison and Rat and Dawkin and Guns and Roses, you know, Motley Crue is a very different type of animal as opposed to like Slayer or Megadeth. That's that's true. I agree with you, but this is like I guess when I, I yeah, I guess hair metal has that notion of like it's nasty. Like people are like, "Fuck hair metal, stupid." There's a tongue-in-cheek aspect to it. Although I don't think that there's a tongue-in-cheek aspect to the soundtrack of this movie. It's got this kind of like weird, um, like tear down the walls and 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 trick or treat and and like fight tear down walls. Wait, no, that's a different song. No, Sorry. yeah. Although it sounds just like that. Yeah. Anyway, the soundtrack fucking kicks ass. It's awesome. Every song is fucking awesome, and they really focus on them. But then you get these great performances, uh, like cameos, like Gene Simmons is in the movie, and Ozzy Osbourne has a great performance as like a a, a reverend who's on a talk show talking about how... Uh, and all this done by Charles Martin Smith, you know? It's yeah, like, who also plays the principal. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I love the movie. There's some really cool... Uh, uh Kevin Yeager um Kevin Yeager monsters early in his career mm-hmm. uh he he's actually even in the movie he's one of the 
band members. Um, I think his head explodes or something. It's wild. And uh, he had some crazy hair in the day, though. Yeah, he was a very handsome man. Mm-hmm. Kevin Yeager. Didn't Kevin Yeager marry Catherine Hicks? Yeah, he was did. It Catherine Hicks that he was married. Yeah, to? he still is. They're still married. Yeah. Oh, Kevin Yeager. Okay, well that's cool. I thought he was married to somebody else. No, Catherine Hicks still to this day. Um. Anyway. Dude, trick or treat! Check it out again. It's yeah. totally worth it. And 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 it's by the way, it's it's set during Halloween. And there's a precursor to the other trick or treat, uh, which features a pumpkin that explodes into flame. Yeah, there are flaming pumpkins in trick or treat mm, as well. I and I think like a flaming pumpkin. Dude, that's like that defines Halloween. It's like pumpkin, it's all spicy on fire. Yeah, man. All right, trick or treat. That's a wonderful addition to this yes. uh, to this marathon. Okay, what's next? Uh, I don't know, but hold on, hold on. It's gonna take me a second here. I gotta build up some courage before I reach into that deep, dark hole. All right. Um, what do we got here. Okay. All right. Let's see what this one is, and it says, "Oh, I love this movie." 1961 Hammer Classic, oh. Curse of the Werewolf. Oh, yes. and Chris, you say werewolf the way Griffin Dunn says it in American Were- Werewolf in London. Werewolf as opposed to werewolf. Yeah, why do you make that, and I think that you're a deliberate man, why do you make that concerted effort to say werewolf, werewolf? Well, honestly, I think probably because today I was watching an episode of Queer for Fear, and it made me think of Curse of the Queer Wolf for some reason. So, Isn't it from the Chillerama anthology? Is it on there? Or am I thinking of Well, there's else? a podcast, too, that's, you know, Queer Wolf as well. And it kind of takes, you know, uh, you know, using kind of queer theory to talk about horror films and everything. Hmm. Okay. Um, but anyway, but yes, I can say werewolf. Their wolf. Their <laughs> castle. Um but yeah, no, this is a this is a great movie. I I love love Curse of the Werewolf. Um, it's a Hammer film. Oliver Reed, <sighs> the great Oliver playing Reed, playing Leon. Um, and actually, I think that this movie was based off of a novel. No shit. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember who wrote the novel. There's no way it was called Curse of the Werewolf. No, no, no. It was the Werewolf of something Ludon, something like that. Oh, that sounds kind of familiar. Well, that's the actually. Devil's Ludon. Which that also has Oliver Reed in it because that's the Devil's <laughs> Ken Russell's movie. Yeah. But anyway, but no, I I do think that this this was based off of an actual story, and it might have been another guy indoor story. I can't remember. Wouldn't that be kind of cool that Oliver Reed was in two movies that were based off of guy indoor stuff? But anywho, um, it's the story. It takes place in in Spain. Um, the film does, and uh, basically this woman is. Th- for like neglecting the advances of a rich aristocrat and stuff like that she's thrown in a dungeon and in the dungeon is this old beggar and stuff like that who's been humiliated and like just you know destitute and treated so terribly that he's basically de-evolved into an animal and he rapes her (laughs) and then nine months later she gives birth to a baby boy on december 25th which is, of course, Christmas Day, which is considered a uh, insult to heaven. And like, there's this really cool scene where, like, you know, they're trying to baptize the baby, and as they bring him toward the baptismal font, the holy water starts to boil. Oh shit! In the baptismal font, you know, and it's like, ooh, this guy's, you know, from birth, this dude's been dude cursed. I, I this is it's been a really long time since I've seen this yeah. movie, so even anything you're telling me about, it's all like this would be kind of like a first time view for me. Yeah, I feel. 
but anyway, you know, they kind of skip forward to when he's older and uh, he's, you know, trying to kind of establish himself, you know, with employment. And of course, he's got girlfriends on the side and everything. And it's, you know, once he kind of gets to that young adult stage where the lycanthropic tendencies begin to uh, kind of show themselves. Um, and it's pretty cool. The werewolf design in this, I thought, was just, you know, absolutely horrifying. Um you familiar with the uh, Crestwood House monster books? They were publishing these books like in the late 70s, those early Those are the 80s. orange books. The orange books, yeah. yeah. Those are the ones that, yes. And there's a Wolfman book or a werewolf book. Yes. And like on the cover of that one, it's actually got uh, Henry Hull's makeup from the Werewolf of London That's on right. the cover. But on like the Overleaf, when you first open it up, there's a big close-up of Oliver Reed's oh. uh, werewolf makeup and i remember that that makeup scared the shit out of me as a kid i think it looks the cl- the closest comparison is monster squad werewolf he looks the yeah, most yeah, like there's, that there's a, there's a big similarity to that like one he's got too, his yeah. his white well uh, he's, he's, he's kind of gray uh, you know the werewolf is gray tone as opposed to being it's like it's a gray wolf as opposed to like a red wolf or a but he's wearing wolf. like a white button up or like yes. uh like a jerry seinfeld shirt puffy shirt that's like ripped open yeah. and his chest hair is like a hairy yes. werewolf chest hair i the design of the werewolf is awesome in, yeah. in that movie um is it like you know you know my vibe on hammer movies they're they can be a little bit of a slog for me sometimes yeah so where does it fall for you in the 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 hammer pantheon like is it is it a little more exciting than like uh, it's pretty up there because you know the the transformations and i mean it's fucking oliver reed you know the, the one of the most compelling actors to ever grace the silver screen he's in the movie a lot right yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like like horror of dracula where Christopher Lee's only in it for like five minutes. Now, basically, he's the central character because, once again, it's a sympathetic guy, kind of like, you know, Larry Talbot in The Wolfman and everything. He didn't ask for what happened to him. You know, he's just having to deal with it. And kind of the revelation and the actual horror comes from the fact that he has no control. Yeah. Um, You know, and there's this, you know, the movie kind of crescendos with this whole rooftop you know, trying to escape the police and everything, and he's you know jumping from you know rooftop to rooftop, you know, almost King Kong style. He's got kind of a woman underneath one arm, and uh, ultimately, you know, it's not planes that bring him down, but you know, it's kind of the same kind of Beauty and the Beast sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool. The colors, I, I think that it's a, a really beautifully shot movie. I feel like it's like super saturated. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's Hammer, you yeah. know, so it's got a very color kind of almost beautiful to look at yeah. and everything. The uh, who, who directed this movie? Terrence. Fisher. Oh, okay. So, I nice. mean, it's one of Hammer's heavy hitters You think there. Freddie Francis was the DP on it? I'm just wondering. Uh, possibly. I, I'd have to go back and look on, on that and everything. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I mean, it's definitively a Hammer film. You know, there's that kind of sumptuous art direction, costume design. Uh, you know, it's really, really, I think, beautiful to look at. And Oliver Reed, a very, very young, young Oliver Reed, uh, is absolutely frightening in it. Yeah. And it's always good to have a, a couple of, at least a one werewolf movie for yeah. a Halloween marathon, right? Werewolf? Herewolf. Okay, let's uh, reach in here again. Let's right, see. All right, it's, it's your turn, dude. Come on, I'm still trying to get this off <sighs> my hand, all right? The thing is, is it does stink. It tingles, too. All right, what do we have here? Oh, Blumpkin. Night of the Living Dead. Oh, I love that movie, man. Wait With a minute. Dwayne Jones and... No. What? Chris. What? I'm talking the 1990 Tom Savini remake. Oh. Dude! Man, I love that movie. Why does this movie get shit on so much? 
I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, probably because the original Night of the Living Dead is an American classic. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess it's an obvious answer because it's not the original Night of the Living I Dead. I mean, it, it was a business decision on the part to remake this movie. Everybody that was part of Image 10, which was the company that fronted all the money for the original Night of the Living Dead because of that little kind of copyright indicia missing on <laughs> the prints and stuff, completely fucked those people out of royalties. That's the most heartbreaking yeah, story. I mean, that thing went in, instant in public film. domain. And all those people, I mean, the, the billions, the billions of dollars that that movie has brought in and George Romero and all those image tin partners, which I mean, I'm trying to think who all Russ Striner was, you know, one of those people, Carl Hardman was one of those people. Um, who else am I, I'm missing Bill Hinsman. Yeah. Bill Hinsman was part of that. They were all completely fucked out of. Yeah. This, and you have a responsibility success. to the people that finance your movie exactly. to get them their money back. And they made the decision and it's not, too dissimilar from the Evil Dead remake situation, which is another movie that I think gets kind of unfairly shat upon. Both of these movies, Night of the Living Dead 1990 and the Evil Dead 2013 remake, were uh, made by the creators of the original. Yeah. And, and it doesn't feel... To reassume copyright control. Yeah, and to, and, to, and to get a little bit of uh, money that they're, they're fucking owed. And by the way, let them do what they want to do. The movie's fucking badass. Yeah. This was for me, this was a, a a Joe Bob staple. Yeah. I remember this movie was always on like TNT. I still to this day have like a recording. My dad and I would see this when this movie came out. You saw this in the theaters? I saw this in theater, dude. That's incredible. Yeah. My old man and I, I had never seen the original Night of the Living Dead, so I was like 11 or 12 years old at the time. And so we watched Night of the Living Dead, and then we went to the theater, and this was fall of 1990, and went and saw... Uh, the remake, which was mind-blowing, I think, you know, for, for me. And this is Tom Savini's feature debut. He had directed uh, a couple episodes of TV shows like Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, I think Monsters, and, um, you know, things like that, of that nature. But this is his first feature. Obviously, Romero wasn't going to do it. Well, Romero and uh, John Russo got together and they updated the script. You know, that was another thing I think that a lot of people were kind of shitting on. They were expecting just kind of rehash of what it was. And I think that it was very smart for them to go through and look at some of the characterizations that were more rooted in the 1960s. And now we're looking at, you know, the 1980s. I mean, it it was the 80s when, you know, this this script was written and everything. Uh, And so instead of making... Barbara is such a helpless character. And of course, they cast fucking Patty Tallman, who is a fucking stunt woman extraordinaire. Who's incredible in the movie. Yeah. But and she's a little more like a Ripley. Kind of, sort of, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, uh, th- like th- an alien. This Ripley. is a, a post, yes, a post Ripley. You know, kind of society here. She even kind of looks like her. She's got like a bandolier of like shotgun shells yeah. across her chest and wearing like a kind of like a tank toppy number. But dude, I it's got it's full of surprises if you've seen the original, yeah. right down to the ending. And I don't even want to talk about it because if you've seen Night of the Living Dead, or even if you haven't, you probably know how that movie ends. This movie does a really interesting twist on that. It does. And uh, also, I got to tell you, dude, I will always, for my in- the life, there is one zombie in this movie that fucking terrifies me. Can you guess what it is? What? Because uh, I see you already thinking. 
Yes, it is like the emaciated bald zombie that kind of comes in. Nope, that's not the one. That one's pretty rad, though. The, the skinny zombie who gets like shot a couple of times. Ka, 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 ka. Yeah, is it the one that's bent in half after the truck gets hit? No, although that one's pretty creepy. Uh, is it the one carrying around the baby doll? Yup. Okay, there we go. The scene toward the end uh, where... When Barbara makes her run for it. Yeah. And she's walking past these things. There's this one zombie that approaches her carrying a baby doll. And uh, Barbara, uh, Patty Tallman sees it and like pushes it away with the, her gun, just kind of, like really kind of like meekly. Mm-hmm. But she's crying because of, like the hopelessness of it's like it's so sad. It's a haunting and, image. It's a haunting image. And. And her, but she, her, her cry is not like because she's like a weak woman. It's because she's just like, and she, I think she even does this like primal thing, like, ah! like this is fucked. This is yeah. so fucked. And she points the gun at the thing, and it like, it <sighs> ah! like yeah, and she shoots it, dude. I will. That image is fucking haunting to me. I, I ripped that off a little bit when I did my stage version of Night of the Living Dead. You did? One of my zombies was uh, a homage to that zombie from the 90. That's awesome. And you, you had Uncle Reg in there, too. Yeah, that's right. You did. Yeah. I remember that. The thing, like, I don't know when the movie is set necessarily, but I, what I do recall about the movie is the opening credits are set on that beautiful, big, the moon, full big, moon. Full moon. And that weird kind of like, what's the sound effect? Anytime they show the moon, there's that. Yeah, some kind of it's, synth it's, thing it's that's weird, happening. Yeah, and it's like it gives me chills every time I hear that. Yeah, dude, and it feels like Halloween. It's just a yeah. spooky, even though it takes place in April. Does Night of the Living Dead ninety take place in April? When the time change happens. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't know that they. I don't, I don't ever recall them yeah. saying that. You're the expert, but I don't. Well, actually, I may be remembering the original script. That could be, you know. It just feels like a Halloween movie to me. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like it just has that vibe. So, yeah, what a great choice. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Blumpkin, great job. Yeah. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh, God. Is it my turn? It's your turn, dude. Uh, Reach in there. All right. All right. I guess it gets a little easier every time you do it, right? It yeah. Loosens that's what they say. Bit. Okay, here we go. All right. All right. Got one. Oh. Oh. 1987's Near Dark. Hey! That's a Catherine Bigelow special. Yes, it is. And Eric Red, right? He wrote it with her? Yeah, yeah. From the from the writer of the guy who drove his car through a 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Red had a couple of meltdowns in his life. Yeah. Dude, that's a... Uh, is that the best vampire movie ever made? Mm, one of them. Except they'd never say vampire in the entire Never, movie. not once. Yeah. Dude, fucking Near Dark is incredible. It's got some great lines in it, too. It's endlessly quotable. I mean, like, where do you even start with that movie? Like, it, it like great score by Tangerine Dream. Oh, yeah. Um, the vibe, dude, the vibe, it's like a, it's a Western, but like, uh, like a, um, it just, it's like super sexy, mm-hmm. but also just kind of like, uh, lonely. It's like a lonely sexiness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. I I just think I I think that that's it's one of the most incredible uh, 
And visually stunning, too. I mean, you know, some of the imagery in that movie is just absolutely iconic. That's a first-time director. Like, it's this yeah. is her first, right? Is it her first movie? I don't know if that's her first movie. Could it Could it be her second movie? Are you going to look, I think look it might that be up? Her second, but, you know, either way, she came out swinging for the fences. Dude, that and, and, you know, and she gets all of these great Jim Cameron kind of uh, cast-offs. She's got Lance Henriksen. Mm-hmm. By the way, it drives me fucking crazy when people say... Lance Hendrickson. Nope, Hendrickson. I, I, it makes me insane. Look at his name. Could you imagine if you got to meet the guy, like, and you called him Lance Hendrickson? Fucking, how many people must call him that? God. All right. Lance Hendrickson, you get Jeanette Goldstein, mm-hmm. who's, j- like, so fucking rad in this movie. Um, you get, Oh, oh uh, Jason Miller's son yeah. is in it. Um, who He is so good. Is he still working? I think he's behind the camera these days. Is he? As opposed to being in front of the camera. Um, Dude, he is so good in the movie. Yeah. And and of co- and then, of course, Bill. Oh, yeah. Bill Paxton is a, was a just a shining star who burned too bright. He is so fucking good in that movie as well. It's her third movie. Her third feature? It looks like it, yeah, as a director. Yep. What are the other three? Or the uh, other two? Okay, I'm sorry. No, take that back. It's her second feature. Okay. Uh, the Loveless came before this, and then she had a short film called The Setup prior. But, yeah, this is you know, oh. it's her, her sophomore effort, dude. Okay. Well, usually people get the sophomore slumpies. And then she directed for New Order, doing some music videos for them. Okay, she was... And then well, it makes after, sense. And then Blue Steel and Point Break came out after that, so... um, Such a, a, a strong, confident film i it's it's almost a flawless film for me like there's very little that i can like think that is bad about if if there's any kind of like thing i had to say the it's that it's kind of a deus ex machina if i can throw out some ten cent you know sure terms there for you sure you know the kind of the way that they tie up the end um is uh you know it's sort of the god and the machine it, it kind yeah. of is a very convenient way to kind of end the movie. But it's an interesting choice, right? Yeah. Because like it could nothing easily, you've ever seen before. And it could easily be a bummer movie. Yeah. And I love that it kind of does that Jim Cameron thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she hates the comparison to, to her ex-husband. But like I w- one of the things I love about Jim Cameron is he always like his movies are crowd pleasers. Mm-hmm. Like they they are never straight up bummers. They never just like kick you in the dick and make you feel like you want it just like die you know like and maybe to the detriment for like cynical people but like i love that there's like some kind of hopefulness in all of his movies it's well it's a love story kind of i mean it starts off as a love story and it ends as a love story and it's nice that you know these two sweet kids adrian pazdar and and jenny wright can kind of be together in the end and i think you know pretty much the revelation at the end too where you know she is able to I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for those who haven't seen it or it's been a while, it's worth it to revisit it. Um, I don't know how easy it is to find. I remember it was always a really difficult movie to get a hold of. There Uh, had been a lot of issues. I think a lot of it having to do with the Tangerine Dream score, too. There were some problems with that. So, like, I managed to get a DVD collector's edition of it. That's what I have, too. I've got that one. But has it ever been put out on on Blu-ray? 
I don't know. I seem to remember there was a release of it where they tried to make it look like Twilight. Yeah. Do you remember that? No. I, there's a there's an image I have of the cover where it's like Adrian Pasdar's face. Oh, you mean and, and how they market and, and Jenny everything? Wright's face, and they have like this blue tint on them, and the yeah. font is like the same. Fuck that shit, man. Yeah. No, the, the the cover art for this one needs to be. The entire vampire crew standing on top of that berm backlit. You know, that's yeah. like that's the definitive image uh, of you know of this particular movie. There is one also, scene. Also, there's also the Bill Paxton with his face smashed. Well, in. that's what they marketed it with, yeah. and I, I could see why the movie didn't really wasn't a hit, and it didn't make. It's kind of a tough movie to market. It really is. Yeah. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least in 1980. What year? 1987. They didn't know how to fucking market movies. Well, Lost in Boys came out that year too, and I think that's why this one sort of took. But that movie is a little more clear how to market it, right? Yeah. It's like a bunch of sexy kids, like that's how they did that, and it, that mm. movie is a big hit. Near Dark is a little weirder, and it's a little more esoteric. I guess, like I don't know. It's just it's 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 sleazier. And by the way, one of the best scenes in horror movie history at the bar. When, oh. they, when they show up at the honky tonk, <laughs> it's finger licking good. And by the way, and and we'll, let's take the time real quick right now. This is a movie that your wife has never seen. I don't think so. Yeah, and it's because she hates Bill Paxton. It's insane to me. She yeah. would not. She's I, I need missing to force out. her. Actually, you know, like two things, like definitely that I've seen already from this list so far. I need to sit her down and make her watch Near Dark. And, of course, she'll probably punch me in the face like she always does whenever I make her sit down and watch a movie. And uh, Doherty's Trick or Treat. I she's never she, seen that one? I don't think she's seen that one. Interesting. You know, I think these are two movies, though, that she'd really get a kick out of because, you know, she's kind of, you know, the vampire expert. We've had I know, her on I and know. Everything, and I don't think, I, she, I think she says that she's seen it and, you know, she may have kind of seen it, you know, in bits and pieces before, but she's really, I don't think, sat down and watched it from beginning to end. It's a shame that, that she would not want to see it for, because of Bill Paxton. This is probably Bill Paxton's best Yes, Severin is a fucking frightening character i mean like he is unlike scary, anything he's ever done before scary yeah an excellent excellent performance I mean, he's not a dipshit douchebag i mean no. he's a fucking violent threatening beast i mean yeah. he's just he's a beast he's, he's, he's a, a, oh my god yeah. near dark is is a phenomenal film yeah. very cool to have that yeah, on the list definitely i'm happy doesn't necessarily this. feel like halloween it's like kind of like a hot movie it feels like a really hot like 100 degree plus movie well, you know like they're in sweaty. the desert and everything too but, but like but a lot of it takes place at night you yes know? so it, it, it does have a, a weird spooky vibe so okay great great choice blumpkin nice hey, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to reach in all right it's your turn dude My you turn? you reach in all right turn your head and cough I Blumpkin, I agree 100%. What is it? What is For it? Tell me, me, tell me, tell me. Tell it's me. not Halloween without 1959's William Castle classic, oh, tell me. House on yes, Haunted Hill. Yes, yes, yes. This is, this is like the, in a way, definitive Halloween movie for me. And can I tell yeah, you why? Please tell me. Um, I want to I know. I watched this movie with my dad at a very young age. This was a movie that he loved as a child growing up and as a horror monster kid himself. He has always loved this movie. We watched this movie together. He sat me down and let me see it, you know, and it was a really nice experience. Mm -hmm. That's cool when your dad goes, 
watch this movie with me, son. Like, we're going to watch a scary movie together. See, I wish my kids would do that with me. Uh, what are you talking about? Your kids, You sit your kids down and watch movies with them. I try to, and then all of a sudden, no, I don't want to watch it. I want to watch Elsa. Well, see, my dad beat the shit out of me. Oh. So maybe you should try doing that. <laughs> you know, I hadn't tried that yet. I'm just kidding. My dad well, did actually, not do I, that. The but... other night, I put on NeverEnding Story, and like they were engaged for about like the first... 45 minutes of it and then they just started bouncing off the walls they're like, like they dad this, this has pacing issues <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah all right so anyway so we watched this but that's not the end of that's not the only reason one year my dad decided he was going to have a halloween party for us all for Ooh. for myself and all of my friends and we were kids we were probably 10 we so used to do you a, de- a yearly Halloween party like a big shindig? So yeah, so I, that's I what he did. But like. you know, single single father. Uh, he, we lived in apartments, and he had a very tiny apartment at the time that he. This is where he was living out of, and this is where I would come and visit. And so, what he did was he decorated the entire apartment in like creepy Halloween spookies. Right, mm-hmm. he rigged books on the shelf with uh uh fishing wire mm-hmm. so that he could he hid in the kitchen so that he could pull these wires and books would fall off the shelf and he had like a like creepy crawly like snakes on wires and he would pull them across the floor and he had fans turning on to blow <laughs> gusts of wind and he had he recorded Sounds like he went all out he went all out he recorded a video of himself and this is this is where it all comes down to this, okay? So what you get to keep, you know, ten dollars for the one who can No, hmm. kind of. Yes. What he yeah. did was he took a black sheet, mm-hmm. wrapped it around himself, filmed himself in front of another black sheet with a video camera. Yeah. And played this thing and it was like a severed head, a floating head. Mm-hmm. And he floats up into the screen and he goes, Ooh, the ghosts are moving tonight. Just like House on Haunted Hill, the opening of that were these Elijah Cook Jr.'s head and Vincent Price's head show up to talk about how scary the ghosts are. We all come into this haunted house and he says, gather into the circle and we have to sit in a circle. Mm-hmm. Don't break the circle. It's important. And this spooky head shows up floating and says, there are ghosts in this house. This insanely elaborate thing. And then he's pulling the wires and books are falling down and fog machines are starting and snakes are crawling. And I'm yelling at my friends, don't break the circle. Don't break the circle. Anyway, it was at him. He's going, oh, oh, there's a ghost. He like timed it with. I mean, like this insanely elaborate shit that he did. Go Chuck. Yes. It was so fucking cool. Anyway, it's one of those movies. So that was all an homage to House on Haunted Hill and him keeping with that like spooky, like William Castle tradition of just Mm -hmm. like getting you to jolt in your seat kind of a thing. Love that moment. Uh, love that party. <laughs> Did he wire the circle for electrical shocks? God, he, and if he like could have, I know he would have. Yeah, I mean he he definitely would have. It's crazy because this William Castle mentality of scaring your audience and fucking with your audience has always kind of uh, carried through to me. You oh, were, that's always been my thing. I you know I have general disdain for my audience. <laughs> I, I love fucking with an. Audience. Well, you were talking about Night of the Living Dead, yeah. and I directed a play at the same time that you directed that mm-hmm. called The Woman in Black, where I did some wild shit to fuck with the audience too and and it was always stemmed from that william castle idea of yeah. showmanship emergo yes that's what this movie was was a giant skeleton flies out of the screen at you mm. but that being said 
This movie is still legit frightening to yeah. me. The first appearance of the old woman on the roller skates. Oh, dude, it's fucking scary, dude. Yeah, Jamie loves that. That house, that incredible so what Frank, is it? Lloyd, it's Wright that Frank Lloyd Wright house. Because that, that was the one thing that like, it was always a major disconnect for me is that you know the exteriors, when everybody at the, the beginning of the movie is like arriving at that house. And I, you know, I grew up in Lakeland, you know, which is the largest collection of Frank Lloyd Wright architecture in the world. You mean the, 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 there's an exhibit at the school? Well, no, I mean the school itself is the exhibit because yeah. he designed most of the buildings at the school. And of course, other other architects that were you know students of Frank Lloyd Wright's and everything like that have tried to kind of continue the tradition with any new buildings like that are built Eichler there. and all those guys. Yeah, but uh, but it is it is the largest collection of architecture in one site. You know, so yeah. it's like that was in my backyard. So I was very familiar with Frank Lloyd Wright. I knew what the buildings were like. You know, so being able to kind of see you know that architectural design and everything but then once you go inside the house it looks like some sort of random you know it looks like a spooky haunted house yeah. the outside is this weird kind of mayan it's revival art deco modernist you know weird yeah it's a mayan revival art deco it's bizarre it's like built in the 30s it's great again when i lived out in la i had the address this is before map like mm-hmm. or before google maps i had the map quest address like Did and i found there? it yeah but they had at that point closed it off because it was up in the hills. It was uh, and it was falling apart because what he built that uh, structure it's out of earthquake safe. Not not just earthquake safe. It just didn't last. It was yeah. like a, a more. It was like a version. It was kind of like a sandstone cement thing, and it just didn't. It wasn't a good a little secret that happened with a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright's buildings. A lot of they're it, not built to last. No, he was he was using very modern at the time techniques, and it didn't work well. So, the last I heard, they were still trying to restore it. You you couldn't quite get up to it. But I see. I always loved that because I was always like, what a weird looking. Well, that's Terry Silver's house from you know Karate Kid Part Three. Does he is he live in that house? Yeah, that's the house he lives in. I wonder what other movies it's turned up in. Uh, it was in Cast a Deadly Spell, too, I think. No shit. Yeah. Dude, or or always, maybe it was Witch Hunt. I'm can't, that like, will always be House on Haunted Hill for yeah. me. Um, anyway, it has fucking some of the bitchiest dialogue. I love the dialogue in the movie. It's so... It's Rob... Who, who did, who's the dialogue? The writer? Rob White. It's so bitchy. It's like proto-Michael McDowell. Yeah. Like, their characters are so... Like, the line that Vincent Price has where he's like... Remember the fun we you had we had when you poisoned me, you know, to his wife and like all this just catty bitchy shit. I I love it. Um, still spooky and fucking it it ends with a skeleton pushing a woman into a vat of acid. Oh yeah. Oh, it emerges from a vat of acid mm-hmm. and then pushes her back into the yeah. Oh, perfect film and it's fucking like seventy minutes long. Like you're done. Get in, get out. You're out. You're done. And there's severed heads mm-hmm. and Elijah Cook. Oh my god. It's the, I'm sure you have a Halloween, like a movie that you feel defines Halloween for you. Yeah. This is one that I feel defines Halloween for me. It's yeah. not Halloween without Unless me watching House of Haunted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I guess you're up. Okay. God, how many more of these? It's fisty time. All right, let's get in there. All right. I'm pull this out. Okay. Mm. Welcome. To Fright Night. Nice. 1985 Fright Night. Okay, not the remake. No, not the remake. Okay. Tom Holland's 1985 Fright Night. 
with uh, Chris Sarandon as Jerry Dandridge and uh, Herman's head as Herman. <laughs> Roddy McDowell. Yes, as um, Peter... Uh, Vincent. Peter Vincent. Peter yes. Cushing and Vincent Price. Yes. Name drops. And Amanda Beers. And Amanda Beers. And, um, and not uh, the Amanda Beers that we know. Right, right. Wait, huh? Do we know somebody named Amanda? Do we know Amanda Beers? I thought you went to high school with her. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew her as How do like you a know stage her? manager and a, and a costume designer, so oh. I worked with her a huh. long, long time ago. Is she still around? Uh, I, I think she's actually like an associate professor somewhere. Huh. I, I think last I heard. All right. No, yeah. that, that name's familiar. Yeah. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Dickhead over here. Don't remember people. Um, okay. Fright Night. Dude. Mm-hmm. What a fun, fucking weird... So another vampire movie. Another vampire movie. This is a little more like traditional, vampire. in a way traditional, but yes. like also kind of a deconstruction of vampires. Yeah, it's a vampire satire. I guess yeah. There's satiric qualities to this movie. Well, it's funny. I don't know that it's a satire because it it takes all the horror. It does what the best. Just like again, we talk about this all the time. Ghostbusters and 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 American Werewolf in London. Serious. It takes that shit for real, and then it's funny. It's funny. The best scene in the movie, like the funniest scene in the movie to me, is when uh, Charlie Brewster convinces the cop to go to Jerry Dandridge's house, Chris Sarandon's house, Mm -hmm. where he's there with his familiar, uh, who's played by, what's that guy's name? Oh, he always blank on his name he's in, like isn't he he's in house two he's in house two with very gross jonathan it's like a, uh yeah no you're right jonathan starts with an s maybe anyway that scene where they uh he's trying he's telling the cop no he's a vampire and he did this and they're just looking at the cop and this dude jonathan uh whatever his name is is like Putting his Jonathan fi- Stark. Jonathan Stark. He's like putting his fingers up like in a cross format. Like, like, oh, watch out. Oh, oh, watch out. We're vampires. Oh, scary. And he's doing this like just catty. <laughs> it's so well edited and well acted. Like they they got great performance out of him for that sequence and they cut in the best moments. Um, yeah, anyway. And also, dude, fucking killer special effects effects. oh the effects are great the pencil through the hand is just like still one of the you know steve johnson talks about that effect being like shitty to him he's like they they, they, they fucking ruined it they cut they they cut away or whatever it is that he says it's super effective yeah it it doesn't ruin i mean that's the the most frightening pencil effect i've seen since the original evil dead yeah which looks Patently fake. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when he stabs it into her ankle, you see the rubber folds of the mm. shitty skin. Like Steve Johnson is—he's such a perfectionist. He just beats the shit out of himself for <laughs> yeah, see things like that, which he shouldn't do. Uh, Steve, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, you're a Onion genius. Head. You're, was cool, you're man. a genius. Onion dude. Head was you know was it, all right. and you know it. Yeah, so fuck off. I mean, Linnea Quigley. Okay, well, but hey, look, he knows what's up. He's he does he does incredible work, and um. Chris Sarandon's transformation is legit frightening in that movie. Uh, Actually, all the vampire makeups, you know, like Evil Ed. Can we talk? Take just a second to talk about Stephen Jeffries. Yeah. Okay. What do how how what do you want to talk about? I just think he's fucking incredible in the movie. He's. I love that he he does this thing in his movie. He does the same thing in Nine Seven Six Evil too. He he brings this um. 
you know, this is a weird kind of cry thing. on cue. He, I don't know that he's crying on cue. I think he's the kind of actor. He's one of. He's like a in the in the moment actor. He's so, so worked up. He's like a like a Winona Ryder is the kind of actor actor who does this where you're each take you get is going to be something different depending on the emotions that are conjured up. Mm-hmm. And I think Stephen Jeffries is like a really emotional human being who probably feels things very strongly, and he is a slight fellow so he got kind of typecast playing these weirdo characters like high-pitched voice kind of mm-hmm. goofball characters you're so cool but he is he is cool and yeah. like and his performance of the scene where chris Rannon is like come on dude you need to be a vampire with yeah, me you've been taking shit from everybody and all your life and now you're gonna have power and he's crying yeah and you're like you know that it was not like the other take they did of that. He doesn't do that. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, it's just like a thing that he's feeling. And then when he dies, when Stephen Jeffries dies, oh, the wolf creature and everything. Yeah. And it's, it's, and Roddy McDowell's what? And Roddy McDowell starts crying. Yeah. Dude. It's tragic. It is. But the movie itself is wonderful. I want to just take a second also to talk about, there's one flaw in the movie to me that it fucking, I hate. That bums me out about the movie. What's that, Brandon? Well, it's the image that is synonymous with the film. Oh, you is, mean the actual cover art? Yes, which so is the cloud. The cloud cover art of a of, of, the, Amanda of the vampire. Yeah, well, of Amanda yeah. of Amanda Bierce as a vampire woman with a huge extended jaw. The movie does the reveal of it so shittily. Yeah. yeah. It, it it's it's him looking at her and it's over his over her shoulder so we see the back of her head mm-hmm. and he's like slowly reaching toward her like to to and she's turned not facing him and then it cuts to the reverse angle of her because she's she's crying she's like oh, help me help me charlie <laughs> and he's like oh girlfriend i'm so sorry you know and but it cuts to her and she pulls her hands down and you and it reveals the makeup mm-hmm. and and not in a jump scare it's a slow her hands come away from her face and then it's a thing and then she turns around and he's startled not how you would you should not cut yeah, a you're scene like save that save that for the audience see it as charlie seeing turn it turn around and Je- fucking get- jesus dude episodes of the real ghostbusters get that right there are so many episodes where they think they're talking to a human mm-hmm. person and they turn around and they're a skeleton like fright night didn't get that, that's the one thing that kills me cuz it's the most frightening image in the movie so do we lay that on tom and the editors yes. uh, shoulders right there absolutely it was just bad editing. absolutely maybe steve johnson was right maybe there are some bad editing editing choices yeah that said it's about a fucking horror movie host talking about horror movies and it's it's a wonderful halloween spooky feature absolutely all right cool all right good choice uh whose turn is it i think it's your turn i don't want to stick my hand in there again (sighs) come on come on i don't think we have that many left do we i hope not all right interesting um, this is 1986 David Cronenberg masterpiece. Oh, The Fly. Okay, okay. This is another one of those like uh, like horror movie staples. I mean, it's a it's a 
obviously it's a classic. Yeah. And it's one of those movies that's probably just been talked about to death, right? It's an interesting choice for Halloween. Yeah, it's a Mel Brooks movie. It, it is. It is. Well, that's, it's a Mel Brooks produced movie. That's why there's a lot of uh, people like Jeff Goldblum and, Goldblum and Gina Davis farting around a campfire. Yeah. Interesting choice. Um, I'd say you had enough. <laughs> Marty Feldman, he, Jeff Goldblum transforms into Marty Feldman. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> this is the uh, the uh, Seth Brundle uh, Museum of Natural History here, and his dick is just like sitting on one of the Ew, shelves in the I medicine know. cabinet. Well, this movie does have. I mean, well, it's Cronenberg, dude. It's body horror. Come on, and there's a lot of it. This movie has one of the. There are very few movies that I like put my hands over my eyes or I, I don't really do that. I'm not that Aww, melodramatic. Does you, does you I look, I look away from, I, I'm not, it doesn't scare me. Does it gross Brandon Yes. Out? And that is when he is peeling his fucking fingernails oh, off. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, I can't, I can't watch that shit. I always, mm. I have to avert Tell my me. eyes. And he squeezes his finger and it sprays that shit all over the yeah. fucking mirror. And it's oh. weird because it's done like for comedic, it's almost like for, See, this the That's movie Cronenberg. Yes, it's so it does this kind of Cameron thing where it's like it's super crowd pleasing in a way. Like him ripping his nail off is like shocking, but when he squeezes it and it sprays on the mirror, yeah. it's funny. Dr. Pimple Popper, proto Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah, oh, which is fucking gross. Dude, yeah, and by the way, when you go on Instagram and you accidentally linger on a reel that is something like that, and then all of your fucking reels are just full of that fuck yeah. Instagram. Okay. Anyway, I get a bunch of earwax stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um body horror is gross to me. Bodies in general are gross to me. Orifices and body things are fucking gross. So which is why Society is your favorite movie, right? Yeah, that movie is fucking great. Brian Yuzna gross shit. Nasty sh- gr- Yuzna shit. <laughs> and it's in the same company as The Fly? The Fly is does that, but The Fly at least is a little more entertaining. What a crazy Well, I mean, what a idea, what a property to tackle for David Cronenberg. I mean, everybody I love the Vincent Price, you know, what is it, 58? Something, 58, 59? Yeah. Yeah. You know, with uh, Al Hedison. Yeah. <laughs> David Hedison. Which, what, what do you want to go by? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. I mean, I, I love, I've, I've got pretty much all the fly. You know, I've got fly, return of the fly, son of the fly. Curse of the fly. And Curse of it's, the fly? It's Curse of the fly is what it's called. Oh. It's return and then curse. And I then the Son of the Fly. Nope, nope. Sure, it's not an alternate title. Promise. Yeah. And then, do you want to arm wrestle for it? <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck no. Yeah. If you're anything like Jeffy, I know what's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um. Here's the uh, the only problem I have with the Fly, and it's not a problem, by the way. It's just like the reason why, and I, I've seen this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. It wrecks me the end of the movie oh, the emotional oh impact of this movie God. is insane another love story that's just gone wrong it's so sad i and remember tragic. the first time i saw it and it was like and this is the sort of thing this you and i talked about this in the past like 
when I was a kid in the eighties, uh, you know, they had like a pay-per-view channel where they would just run the trailers for all the movies that were coming up that month on pay-per-view. And I watched the trailer for the fly hundreds. I'll of bet times. you know it. You have the hundreds rhythm of it in of your time. head. I, mean, I, can, I can hear it in my head right yeah. now, you know, be afraid, be very afraid. You yeah. Know, it's all these little kind of like, you know, beats from, from the movie and everything. Um, but like when I actually saw the movie for the first time and that whole ending sequence, you know, after, you know, Seth Brundle is pretty much kind of moved into that stage three fly makeup that Chris Wayless designed and everything and then tries to put himself, you know, in the teleporter with Gina Davis, you know, so he and she and their baby can all be as one. Ugh. After he's dissolved Stathis Bor what a name, fucking Stathis Borens. I know John the- gets his character. His name is Stathis Borens. That is so Cronin. And then That's so Cronenberg. You know, it's like, you know, he's an asshole through the entire fucking movie. And then after Jeff Goldblum dissolves his fucking hand and his fucking ankle with fly vomit, uh you you start to like I feel bad for that dude now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the design of the pods is incredible. Yeah. And I want to just, we'll end it with this, I think. Um, the Do you remember, did you ever get to see the original Universal Studios gory, gruesome, and grotesque horror makeup show? Oh, absolutely. In yes. And do you remember that that they was- They had the pods the, on there, They yes. had the pods. And a giant fucking mechanical brundlefly comes out. At the end of that, oh my god, dude! Like, talk about just like capturing your imagination as a kid. Like mm-hmm. those movies really did that. And that even a movie, it's funny because I think today something like The Fly would be what's considered rather unfortunately this term that I despise: elevated horror, because it's the way it handles its uh, subject matter. Its subject matter. It's really pulpy, dumb, stupid subject matter. A dude turns into a fly. You know, it's fucking stupid. Well, the conceit is like that's I think that's what makes Cronenberg's movie so successful in that like in the 1950s, it's a teleportation thing. And, you know, you wind up getting like a human body with a fly head on it and a fly hand. But this merges the two together, like at the genetic level. Well, the and then 50s, slowly there's this metamorphosis that takes right, place. Right. The 50s, it's about. As most things in the 50s, the fear of technology, the fear of yeah. things that could possibly destroy us. But in the 80s, it's cancer and AIDS. Right. And <laughs> you can bring that into this movie and then you can take that out of the movie. And it's interesting that with all of that and, you know, movies that are horror movies now, Hereditary or Midsummer, and all this shit that is. And I like Hereditary, but, you know, like all these it follows these movies that people call elevated horror where they're about the Babadook, where they're about something. And it's just kind of, it like rubs your face in it. This movie, the fly doesn't like, it only is like a metaphor for AIDS. If that's what you want it to be. (laughs) Really? Like you're a fly on the wall watching everything that's happening in these two people's lives. That's an interesting way of saying it. It's, it's, that's really what it is. I just love that the movie does what, it it's it's a roller coaster ride. It delivers in the thrills and chills and spills department. Literally, yeah. it's disgusting. Well, it's what all good horror is, and it's the only way that you can really tell these types of stories is through horror. It's tragedy. It is it's a tragedy. tragedy. God damn, it's a tragedy. You know, y- you go back to the essence of drama. You have comedy and you have tragedy, and 
you know, people say, well, what about drama? Well, that's the thing. Drama is made up of comedy and tragedy. And the only real way that you can tell tragedy these days and have it be acceptable to the suits in fucking Hollywood and for most audiences is if you do it in the guise of a horror film. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. And do you want to know something? The Fly is a perfect example of a tragedy. You know, the tragedy of, of Hamlet. You can compare the two. Well, there's a reason why it became a fucking opera, dude. Yeah, that's true. It was an and it works as an opera. It's very operatic. Yeah. Would you say, um, quick question, that it's Cronenberg's masterpiece? <laughs> um, sorry, I was transforming into a guy. <laughs> uh, he just is, puked is, all over your donuts. Yeah, I know. Sorry, it's really gross. Yeah. Well, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is it his masterpiece? Hmm. Man, that's a tough one. Yeah. Well, you know want to know something? If you mm. throw the name David Cronenberg out there, what's the first thing that's going to come to people's minds? Probably the fly. Yeah. Probably. I think that that's going to be the, the one that's going to pop in there. You know, anybody that's really kind of followed Cronenberg's career, you know, I think you're going to have some latter day slackers that are going to be like, you know, Spider and, you know, <laughs> no. History of Violence. Nobody's going to say Spider. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to fucking say Spider. <laughs> spider, Fly, Jesus Christ. Dude. Yeah. You know, um, but All right. yeah, I, I, I would say that, yeah, probably, you know, it's. I mean, I have other David Cronenberg movies that I prefer. What? But that's not to take anything what do you, away what, from What would you prefer? What, just tell one. What's one? Well, I'm a goddamn weirdo, dude. You know, it's, and I'm not saying that they're better. No, I get it. Because but I that's love that's The okay. Fly. What do you prefer? Um, I like his earlier stuff. I like his rawer, you know, rawer. Rawer? Shivers. Yeah, well, Shivers is a big one. I, I really love Shivers. Um, the Brood. I love the brood uh, scanners, man. For some reason, oh, scanners, scanners is a movie that I just I love. You know, Stephen Lack aside, uh, or the performance of Stephen Lack aside, there's just something about scanners yeah. that I just I fucking love. interesting. Maybe we'll do an episode on this. We gotta maybe one day we'll get to a scanners yeah. episode. I was this close to buying. I I love the scanner sequels. <laughs> Well, actually, Scanners 2, I love. I love Scanners, Scanners 3. And, and Scanner Cop, yeah. I like, too. Yeah, you I know? do, too. Okay, me, too. All right. Uh, let's do this. One more. We got right. one more? Who's turn, more? Whose turn is it? I think it's mine. I think it's your turn. Okay. All, right. All, right. All, right. All right. All right. Let's go and pull this out. We'll do this quickly. Ooh. 1965. What? Mario Bava, <gasps> Planet of the Vampires. Okay, that's a lot of vampire movies, Blumpkin. Well, you know, it's called Planet of the Vampires, but, you know, these... Mm, I guess it should be called Alien. <laughs> yeah, it should be called Alien. <laughs> Because there's so much art direction that was totally ripped off. Dude, it is literally, structurally, almost identical. And it's one of those things where it like it blows my mind because, you know, I don't want, let's not, I don't want to spend too much time talking about fucking Alien, but it, like Ridley Scott is like, never saw it. Never saw Planet of the Vampires, which I just don't buy. The guys like, yeah, like well, your art director and your scenic designer and your writer they they saw it. Yeah, they I saw it. And damn to you, yeah. they saw it. And which it. makes me think you saw it too, dude. And like he's a com- he was a commercial director. Like I, his Ridley Scott's whole thing is style. Yeah, and well, 
it's no big secret. I mean, this, this has been talked about quite a bit and everything that, you know, there are two movies that if you kind of rub them together, you know, It the Terror from Beyond Space and Planet of the Vampires are, I mean, you, you rub those together and you get Alien. I yeah. Mean, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. Like, all the elements for Alien are found in those two movies. And, yeah. and that said, by the way, Chris, I actually... I mean, I prefer Alien to all of them. Like, yeah. I it's Alien is one of the greatest films in history for me. Like, yeah. it's in my top Actually, I just ten. Watched Aliens the other night. Oh, I did just, you do I, it? I, I had a wild hair up my ass. I was working on a project. We were just because we I were said, just talking about. I'm it gonna I'm gonna put it on, and yeah. I did. I put it on because like I know that movie intimately. Yeah, we were just talking about. It. I did it the other day too. I did all of them. Yeah. I did all the Alien movies again for no real reason other than fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Um, but anyway, okay, Planet of the Vampires is Mario Bava, uh, uh, another l- low-budget Bava Italian um, horror sci-fi flick. For me, okay, what's your favorite Bava? It's probably my favorite Jalo. period. What? Okay. Blood and Black Lace. Damn, dude, that's your favorite Giallo, uh, period? Yeah, period. All right. There's something about that movie, and it has to do with the fact that Bava was a cinematographer before he was a director. The look of that movie, um, I mean, it really kind of hits all the key things, you know, for Jalo. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to talk about it yeah, that too talk much because talk but, about Planet of the Vampires, but but I mean, you know, here's the thing: Bava doing sci-fi. That was something that was really really cool because you get all the cool visuals that Bava is known for. Um, Actually, you know, Maurice, who we used to work with. Oh, Maurice! Was, he he got me Planet of the Vampires. Actually, on on it was like you know a, one of the MGM Midnight movies. Oh my releases. god! It was like a double feature with that and like. Well, this one was just Planet of the Vampires. Oh, really? They, they I, did, I remember they did that do midnight... a double feature release of it and everything like that. But I got the one that was just the solo release of Planet of the Vampires. Ooh. Because that was something that, like, you know, he and I kind of talked about quite a bit was just, you know, Italian horror and everything, and uh, and Bava in particular. And so he got me that. Well, what I remember about it is, like, again, it was really low budget, and I feel like what he did was he just put all the money into the sets. If I remember correct, is that right? Does that sound right? Well, I mean, yeah, the, the, it's they're sumptuous, you know, they, 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 they look Well, they're, they're still kind of spare, but yeah. it's got a very, like... Again, it's got a very kind of mid-century vibe to it, but it's like it's super angular, if I remember correctly. Kind of a Lost in Space, but with like if if Lost in Space was Euro trashed, yeah, then that's what you get. Well, it's also kind of minimalist. I it feels very stagey. Like it feels it's like something that like you could build probably rather quickly on a stage yeah. and, and and get it set up. But I just I feel like things are tall. Like things are really like yeah. tall and 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 again, it's something that Ridley does with Alien. Is it's like it's all about those sets, you know, structure. But damn. it's an interesting story too. I mean, you know, people are are lured to this planet. You know, this this uh, spaceship that's got all these humans and like these very very interesting collars that you know they kind of have on there because the collars on on their spacesuits kind of come up like right below their ears and everything. So it's like their faces are covered so they can't really like turn their heads. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost like, you know, the vampire kind of like 
collar that you find like on Dracula's cloak or, you know, the Count from Sesame Street. You know, there's almost that kind of a evocative thing. But the whole thing is that the, this crew is lured to this planet where there are these disembodied spirits, shall we say, disembodied creatures that are stuck on this planet and they go and they investigate this distress call. And then slowly the, uh, the disembodied creatures start taking over the bodies of the earth crew. And so they're almost like, you know, it's a, it's almost like a space possession kind of movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a, if anything, it's honestly, it's a little more high concept than alien, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's a little more outrageous. Um, very vivid colors, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yeah. It, it's been a little while since I've seen it. I know it's There's like... blacks, blues, and reds, you know, which is a very Italian kind yeah. of palette to play with. But, like, you know, it, it, it's done with such great contrast and everything that it just... It, it's eye candy. It does kind of feel like candy. Yeah. That, that's an g- interesting vibe. It has the, like, a... Um, it, it it does feel kind of glossy. It feels yeah. kind of, um, to be honest with you, the, the only time I've ever really seen it, I was in an altered state of consciousness. So it kind of has it's not a that, bad place to yeah, be. Yeah, um, it's the least Halloween feely movie of all of these. I feel. Do you feel? That I don't way? know. I think the the overall. Uh, atmosphere of the movies is you know super creepy. I mean the fact that you know how many real kind of space science fiction do we have on here i mean the fly we could kind of consider science fiction horror yeah sure and everything um but you know this is this is you know real kind of out there space science fiction yeah and it's it's about as creepy as you can kind of get in outer space so you know i think it would work just fine all right, well, Blumpkin, those I mean, are good choices. Think about how colorful is Halloween to begin with. Hey, okay, I you like know? that angle. That's where I can get behind that. Okay, yeah. nice. Um, well, I don't want to reach in there. Do you think there's any more in there? All dry, dude. Nothing left. Well, thank Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I uh, Wash my hands. Yeah, and good choices, by the way, Blumpkin, but you know what? I, I'd like to just bring... How many movies do we have here? We've got one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think That's we need eleven a, movies. I think wow. we need a few more to 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 uh, to pull this guy out a little bit. Okay. So why don't we bring a couple of our own to the table and we'll okay. see if this is going to work? Um, what do you think? You want to go first, Chris? Uh, well, didn't I just pull Planet of the Vampires out? So why don't you go ahead and go? Okay. Um. Well, how about this? This is a little weird. But I figure maybe this might be helpful, and it might be a really cool way to kind of get things kicked off and going. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not too dissimilar from House on Haunted Hill. The uh, one there's one thing that makes me think of Halloween first and foremost uh, when I think of Halloween, and it's this old buddy. Walt Disney's 1929 classic, in my opinion, The Skeleton Dance. Oh, yeah. People forget how fucking creepy Disney can be, man. Dude, it's so weird and and hilarious, and the way those skeletons are animated, their bones literally curve. Yeah. Like, it's... Well, and they turn into, like, xylophones and, you know... It's fucking wild. Well, yeah. 
Um, I love when the skeletons do this to each other. Yep. They clomp on each other. It's like the classic skeleton. Mento Mori kind of, you know, just people like being scared. And Walt Disney understood that. Hell yeah, he did. Especially in those early days. The night on Bald Mountain sequence from Fantasia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, honestly, or Snow White, like all, all... And, and Sleeping Beauty, which is a masterpiece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. The that the uh, Maleficent, the dragon, like that shit's scary, dude. Yeah. Like, um, you but... ever been to like Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party? No, I haven't. We took Olivia like several years ago. I mean, she was probably two or three at the time. And I have to tell you something. I hate parades. I just, I do. I hate parades. I hate a parade. I sing that almost weekly at some point. Uh, you know, I don't mind watching Macy's on Thanksgiving Day as I'm in my jammies and everything. You know, that's cool. I'll that's do a that. Thanksgiving tradition. But I just, I hate being at parades because it's, you know, rubbing elbows with humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. I've got some like weird agoraphobic no, kind you're of the, shit going you're, on. I don't like crowds. You're I, the guy you know. from Animal House uh, that uh, uh, that has the bag full of chains that like yeah. makes the ki- little kid get off the mailbox so he can sit on it. That's yeah. you. That's you at a yeah, parade. That, that's me. Anyway, right. but they do a parade sequence, and like the whole thing starts with the headless horseman, you know, clopping down the cobblestone streets and everything and i have to tell you that's the coolest parade that i've ever seen and it's all the villains and stuff that come out at night you know so you know disney does have that kind of really really creepy creepy side to it and everything and i i love it i absolutely love it yeah so i think that this would be an excellent choice i mean it's you know this is a this is a little like palate cleanser six minute little thing to get you just kind of like maybe Maybe that goes early on. We'll do yeah. the programming or the sequencing when okay. when we're done here. But like, maybe that's a little something to kind of uh, get you kind of into the spirit. Yeah, and um, it's black and white. It's you know, and I mean, what year was it made? Nineteen twenty nine. Twenty nine. And that's so. an Ub Iwerk special. Yeah. He was really heavily involved with that. There's another great Disney one called the uh, Mickey Mouse's The Haunted House, mm-hmm. where the Grim Reapers play, like make some uh, play music. Well, then what's the one where they're the Ghostbusters? That's um that's not Disney. That's... No, there is a Disney one where it's Goofy, Mickey and Donald and they go to a haunted house that has like, you know, three vaudevillian ghosts that are living in it and I don't remember that one. They're they're basically ghostbusters. Like they have a business and their job is to rid houses of haunts. I don't know. Let's... And that's from like the 30s or the 40s. We'll have to call up Dan Aykroyd and see what the fuck is up. No, no, I mean I I got Disney Plus. I got kids. We we watch it. You know, at Dude, least there's a lot of stuff week. that's not on Disney Plus. Is that on? Yes, it's on Disney Plus. Because you know what's not on Disney Plus, and I'm like dying to like just like smoke a bowl and watch the Scarecrow of Romney Marsh. Oh, that's that's by the way, that's my dad's favorite. That's his. Like, my old band loves that movie too. Yeah, he, I remember that's my dad's ultimate Halloween it. costume. He's and like, that's what I want to do for Halloween they every won't year. Fucking release it. Why? I don't know. I don't. I that was my hope that when Disney Plus happened, that we would get the fucking Scarecrow of Romney Marsh. That would be fucking awesome with Patrick for this. McGowan and everything. That would be awesome. Doctor Sin, you know. Yeah. And uh, instead, I kind of have to watch Peter Cushing in Night Creatures, which is still that's I mean, okay. I, I I do love that movie too. But fucking the Scarecrow of Romney Marsh scared. And they used to play it on the fucking Disney Channel in the eighties. I mean, that's when I saw it. My dad made me sit down and said, "We're gonna watch this." And I remember it scared the shit out of me it was the first time i saw a human being get hanged Ooh. and i was like oh ah, like that scarred me and well, that'd then be a I cool one if, if it were easily accessible to put 300 on bucks on dvd no fucking way they have like a clamshell edition that they released probably like in the late 
or mid nineties or something like that. And it's like 300 bucks. All right. Well, that bums me out. Chris, what else do you got? What do you have? For um, us? well, you know what, since I was kind of talking about the, the Mickey, not so scary Halloween yeah. parade and stuff like that. And how that, how did I say that that started? It started with, uh, well, the headless horseman the headless riding horseman. down. Yes. So it's really not Halloween for me without the headless horseman. I am I am obsessed with the Headless Horseman. I am obsessed with the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Okay. When I was a English teacher in high school, I used to teach 11th grade English, and I used to love the month of October, like September and October. Like, it really started early for me in September, because I would always, you know, make the kids read the creepiest American literature, because that's what it was. It was American literature class. Uh-huh. So uh, we would read uh, The Devil and Tom Walker. Okay. And we would also read Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I just, I love that story. I think my my infatuation with the Headless Horseman began when I was like in first or second grade, where it was Halloween and I'm in elementary school. And I wound up getting from my teacher this... Headless Horseman kind of cut out, you know, decoration that you could kind of put up on the wall and everything. And that's where the love... And also Disney's, you know, uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So is that your choice? Well, no, not Ichabod and Mr. Toad, but Tim Burton's 1999 Sleepy Hollow. Because it gives me all the things that I absolutely love. I love Tim Burton. Uh, I love the kind of the gothic nature, as as gothic as you can kind of get in the United States and everything. Um, you know, this old Dutch world kind of story. Um, and then this, this wraith of the Headless Horseman. You know, there's some... In the original story, there's some doubt as to the veracity of the Headless Horseman. Sure. I, if, in fact, I think it's just... It's, it's a not hoax. quite yeah. supernatural yeah, at all. It's, it's but, a yeah. hoax. You know, everybody thinks it's Brom Bones just, you know, dressing up like the Headless Horseman to scare the shit out of Ichabod Crane and get him out of town so he can marry But in this movie, Brom Bones gets fucking but cut in, in half. But in this fucking movie, absolutely. <laughs> Brom Bones gets cut in half, almost like bug style, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, wait a second. It's like he got away with it in Starship Troopers, <laughs> yeah. but not in this one. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I love the look of this movie. I love the music. Would you, you know, say this is Tim Burton's last great movie? Yeah. Nay, good movie? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, it was the last one that I was like head over heels. I remember, I remember very fondly when this movie came out. Again, it was 99. I, it was like, it, it was ex- an exciting time because Tim Burton was still not quite... <sighs> I hate to be so negative, but like not the like Disney hack that he is now. Like he just was, he was still kind of doing interesting things. He's pushing the limits. And he was like, this was a movie for him that like had to happen because Mars Attacks did not do well. And like, this was a big risk because it's- Well, it's R-rated. It's an R-rated movie. And it was not his first, but it was still- What other R-rated movie had he done before? Ed Wood. Edward was oh but, yeah but but okay. that's a, that's yeah. Ed, that's an R rate because like of Martin Landau saying fuck a couple of times yeah. it's not really an R like even Beetlejuice is, says fuck and that's a PG Hong so Kong. yeah like but Sleepy Hollow is a gory affair with oh, severed heads of plenty yes People and by the way we 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 mentioned you know this movie was originally supposed to be Kevin Yeager's. No, we mentioned him earlier. Yes. Kevin Yeager, this was like his passion project. 
And then they kind of said, well, Kevin, you can do the effects and we'll yeah. get Tim Burton to do this. We saw Hellraiser 4. Eh. Yeah. We know you don't play by the. We know you don't like to play with the studio that well. So well, let's go ahead and do his this. name off of that too. Alan Smithy's Hellraiser Four. Yeah, Bloodline. <laughs> by the way, not a bad movie. Actually, yeah, did interesting things with the mythology. It does. It's a, it's not bad. Um, but I love this movie. I love the way it looks. I love all the actors that are in it playing wonderful parts. Well, he brings all these hammer stalwarts to the table, which is fucking incredible. Like he, well, I don't know. I think there's one hammer stalwart, well, two, two hammer stalwarts that are brought to the table in this. I, I guess it's just Chris Lee and, and Michael, Michael Goff. But like everybody else feels like they belong oh, in a hammer movie. But they're also part of like, you know, his, his, his troop. You know, you've got Winona Ryder that's back. You've no, got, no, no. She's not in it. Oh, I'm sorry. Christina Ricci. My, yeah. My bad. Sorry. Christina Ricci. And this is her first time in a movie. And it's, yeah. but see, it's, it's interesting that you say that because. Because of mermaids. Well, she feels so Tim Burton ready. Yeah. And it feels like she's always been a part of Burton's things. It's really interesting. She's got this ethereal quality in the movie that works really well for the, for the story. But Jeff Jones. Jeffrey Jones. Yes. Um, also, uh, the Emperor Palpatine. Uh, what's his Ian name? McDermott Ian McDermott and uh, 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 Michael. Um, who's the original? Isn't it the original dude from Harry Potter? Isn't oh it? yeah, that plays uh, Dumbledore. The no, ori- well, or- yes, yes. I'm sorry, yes. Uh, not the original Dumbledore. It was the replacement Dumbledore. Oh. Uh, Michael. Oh my gosh. Gambon, Michael yeah, Gambon. Michael Gambon. So playing Baltus Fantastic. Just such a great cast of like, of of Miranda Richardson. Miranda Richardson. There's one thing in the movie that pulls me out a little, and it's Chris Walken. I I kind of wi- now I love again he's a, a Burton staple, and I mm-hmm. love that he's in the movie. I just it's the one thing that when I see, when I rewatch it makes me kind of go. Chris Walken. And I think it's because of where he is now. And he doesn't say a single word. No, he just grunts a lot and growls a lot and has a sharp teeth. Shows teeth, teeth yeah. Um, anyway, but it's not enough to make me have any ill feeling toward the movie. It's just something that when I watch it now, nitpicky, I'm like, yeah. Chris. Chris. Goofy Chris. Uh, but you're right, dude. It's beautiful. Um I love that it's so desaturated as to almost be black and white, but the blood is so red. And by the way, this movie kills kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty rad. I, this is a great interpretation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I mean, it's a detective story. And I love that they do. Of course it is. It's from the writer of Scream. Yeah. Or I mean, um, um, of Seven. Andrew Kevin Walker yeah. comes in and makes it like a procedural but Tim Burton shows up and he's like, well, we're going to make it a weird procedural. He's going to have these weird goggles, this weird, like, thing. Well, and- almost kind of like a Cronenbergian, you know, dead ringers type, you know, it's made for mutant women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like- and Johnny Depp is is great. He's so funny in the movie. He, he plays such a, he's like a borderline dandy. He's great. I, I've always loved the notion of. You didn't see it because you were not there. Headless. <laughs> I love the notion that Ichabod is a bit of a cad, mm-hmm. and he's not quite in this movie, but he is kind of a prick. <laughs> he is kind of a like snooty. I've always just liked that n- notion that he's just a dickhead, yeah. and and 
in this it works. So yeah, man, Sleepy Hollow, great choice, Chris. It's not Halloween for me if I don't watch Sleepy Hollow at some point. Um, okay, here's here's one I'd like to bring up. Um, most people know of this movie as uh, uh, in its Italian title. Uh, well, it's the translation of its Italian title, which is in Italian, it's La Paranella Cita di Morti Viventi. Ah, which is uh, fear in the city of the living dead, a.k.a. city of the living dead. But the way the movie was introduced to me and the way I kind of prefer it is as the title Gates of Hell. Hmm. Um, That's a 1980 Lucio Fulci, in my opinion, masterpiece. Don't be offended by this. Sure. Okay. I love Fulci. I do. But I have a real hard time keeping his movies straight. Yeah, well, this now I want you to explain why, but I will tell you also. I will say also to our to our listeners that this movie is like the middle part of a trilogy that people have ascribed to this trilogy. It's loose; it doesn't really work for me. But like um, the Beyond, Mm -hmm. Gates of Hell, and oh fuck, what's the other one? Um, Uh. Oh, uh, House by the Cemetery. I think it's right? maybe the Catriona McCall, you know, thing that kind of screws me up. Maybe yeah, that's she's it. in all three of these movies. But like the Beyond, that's the mansion in Louisiana he, with the basement. That all of a sudden, at the very, very end, they're in that grayscape. Yes, hell, okay. yeah, yes. Okay, all right. And then which one is the maggots falling from the ceiling? Gates of Hell. Okay, all right. And which one is like the chick? Puking all of her guts out. Gates of Hell. Okay, that's Gates of Hell. Okay, and then I'm trying to think. And then which one has got uh, Christopher George in it? Gates of Hell. Okay, so then maybe I'm just always thinking of Gates of Hell. All right, never mind. That, that, that's convenient then. Everybody is so quick to ascribe, uh, well, to 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 to, to Dane uh, the Beyond, La Delia as the the Fulci masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I just think everybody's wrong. Gates of Hell, City of the Living Dead. And this is the one with the priest hanging himself, right? Yes. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So, okay, we're on the same page. It's a, it's a fever dream, Chris. It's a nightmare. Is this the one where the bar basically breaks itself apart with yes! everybody? Okay, all right. So, yeah, okay, I'm it's, on the same page. Yes, all right. it's set in the Sorry. town of Dunwich. The whole oh, concept is yeah. a priest hangs himself and in doing so opens up the gates of hell. They can only be closed by the way, they have to be closed by Halloween night. Mm-hmm. If they are not closed at midnight on All Hallows' Eve. Now, which time zone are we talking about here? <laughs> Good point. Ah. I guess, well, Dunwich's East Coast. Oh, okay. So, if not Halloween night. Well, Dunwich should be in Massachusetts. This is, you know, some Arkham-type... East Coast shit, dude. Love, Lovecraftian shit. Vaguely. But it's not. It's about zombies who... Who can teleport? Yeah, teleporting. I forgot about that. And yeah. they show up out of nowhere in the dumbest smash cuts. Like literally, camera is on, camera turns off. An actor just stands in the frame. Camera goes back on again. There's no special effect. They just sh- fucking show up and then chew on you. And they don't chew on you, dude. They grab, grab you by the head, back like of the head, squeeze, and squeeze your brains, your brains out, out yeah. of your skull. It's such a trip it doesn't even it like people are like though the beyond doesn't make sense and yeah no it doesn't make sense this movie feels like a waking nightmare 
everybody in the movie is way too pale. They look like they're sick and dying. The the music is just a constant doom doom. Like that's it. There's just this constant theme. That Did Dinaggio do this? No, the music is by oh fuck. It's he was a constant collaborator of Fulci. I cannot remember his name right now. Um, What's the oh, uh, uh, Fabio Fritzi? Okay, Fabio it's, Fritzi. It's Fritzi. That's it. Okay. Okay. I mean. It's a lot like zombie because that you were doing the zombie two yeah. theme. Um, which goes in it, but Gates of Hell has just more of a just just bummer vibe. Michel Suave shows up as a dude making out with a girl, gets a cup of titty, and then watch her vomit her entire after she starts like bleeding from her eyes, right? And by the way, not that pussy bleeding from your eyes bullshit that they do, where they kind of just like put blood like underneath the eyelid. No, it's like pumping. Puts a tube in this girl's eyes and just pumps liquid blood. It wells up in her eyes and pours out. It's a nightmare. The film is a nightmare, and it also has uh, Giovanni uh, Radice shows up as Bob. The, oh, isn't he the one that gets the uh, the <sighs> drill through his head? The drill through the head is it's the, this I, poor son of a bitch, man. Every fucking movie he's in, either like he's getting his brains eaten or his dick cut off or his head or drilled. his head getting drilled. Yeah, it's wild. That scene alone, it's very similar to Zombie, where the girl, where Olga Carlotta's gets the uh, the, the the splinter splinter eye. eye. Yeah. It goes on for forever, and you're like, it's not gonna happen. There's no way. And then it does happen. You're like, Christ. The drill in 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 Radice's head is the same thing. You're like, there's no way this well, is going to happen. That's because they thought like he fucked like you know some little girl or some. Not shit, a little right? girl, an an adult woman oh, who okay. they keep saying is a little girl, but like she's not. It's weird. The movie demands repeat viewings because maybe it, that's what I just need to do. I just need to watch them over and over again until I finally separate these movies in my mind. There is an atmosphere of just absolute dread and terror dunwich the town is just a town full of wind and dust blowing there's no reprieve from the like madness and 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 desolation it's and the ending makes absolutely no sense it's a wonderful mind fuck it's literally a movie to watch when you're like when the shit's kicking in and you're like what the fuck is up all right gates of hell that's the way I've always known it and loved it, and I kind of prefer that title. But um, City of the Living Dead, whatever the fuck you want to call it, if you're a purist, okay? La Paranal Cheetah de Morti Viventi. Yes. Okay. Um, what about you, dude? Okay. You got anything else? Well, I think you, you know, I think something that might kind of be akin to that, you know, with these uh, kind of European sensibilities and everything, I think uh, I would probably bring, bring 1974's Jorge Graus. The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Yes. Chris. Now, this is an interesting movie in that it's basically a bunch of Italian actors with your token American thrown in there, filmed in England by a Spanish director. (laughs) Yeah. Very international. Yes. I mean, you know, this this whole thing starts off with this crazy kind of like city montage where this, you know, 
Roy Levelock, you know, with, you know, a very, very English sounding name. He's actually half English, half Italian. So he grew up in Italy, you know, English. Or, That's the actor. Yeah, the actor. Um, Dude, he's like the fucking ultimate hipster. Uh, totally. His awesome like, blonde hair and beard and his hell. leather jacket. No, he look, he's a he's fucking awesome. Like, I wish I was him. Yeah. <laughs> like, when I see him. And then you have American, like, you know, theater and film staple, Arthur Kennedy, who's doing an Irish accent. Is he the who detective? F- he's the detective who just fucking hates this guy because he's just a long-haired, goddamn hippie. Yes, he you know, hates He just, just hates him for this, the, the fact of just fucking hating him. Like, and Roy Lovelock, I mean, the, the whole situation is like, he's leaving town on a Friday to go to his country house that he's just bought, and he's trying to kind of like have some friends meet up with him and everything, and he runs into this lady who's kind of had, almost like literally runs into it. It's almost like a car accident no, and everything. No, it is. Yeah. She backs into his car, and he's yeah. like, hey, what the fuck is your problem? Well, he's on a motorcycle. Yeah, he's yeah. so pissed. He's like, you know what you're going to do? You're going to drive me. It's so entitled. I love it. I their relationship is adorable. Oh, it's it's and like so antagonistic. It's too. great, but it's kind of like proto uh uh the mummy. <laughs> it's like yeah, Fred and Fraser and Rachel yeah. Weisz. They're like, hey, what's your fucking deal? And she's like, what's your deal? I love I love that. But yet they get bonded together through this, well, this absolute yeah. abject. So horror. meanwhile, at the at the at the same time, there is this crew that's out there trying to come up with technological ways of pest control and instead of using chemicals and everything they're using like ultrasonic sound to drive you know grubs and bugs and stuff like out of the earth and kill them um and instead there's this horrible horrible side effect which whenever they use this kind of ultrasonic device it causes the dead to rise So you yeah. get a zombie flick. I mean, basically, it's a, it's an interesting zombie flick that has a new and interesting way of kind of creating these zombies, and then it turns into a murder mystery because they keep finding all these dead bodies, and they're trying to pin it. Oh, it does know. become a procedural yeah, in a way. Yeah, it does. But the cops that, don't believe him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they really don't believe. They're, like, really biased about believing. Yeah. I mean, they're... Chris, I'm going to tell you, this is in my tell list me, of... Tell me the 10 easily to me the 10 best zombie films ever made i agree wholeheartedly yeah i mean it's a well-made film it looks wonderful the acting is pretty good it's nightmarish man it's like it it, that's actually a really cool companion to gates i I, you know when when you kind of said that i was like you know what this would go very very well just as a double feature of those two is that that would that would be incredible on its own Ooh. I mean, they're, they both get just straight up insane. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and, and they, it's weird. Manchester Moore kind of structurally is a little more akin to like uh, really the beyond. Yeah. Maybe even zombie, although it's not too dissimilar from uh, Gates of Hell in that this couple is kind of going on this borderline adventure. Mm-hmm. Um but the first zombie experience with the flashing strobe light of the photographer trying yeah. to just take pictures, and then, and it ju- it, it just starts off or with the a- sequence in the gra- actual graveyard on the church and everything, and being stuck in the sepulcher oh, and trying to get away. And there's the police so officer good. that's there that could totally vindicate everything that you know, Roy Lovelock and I'm trying to remember what the other girl's name is. Anyway, the heroine in this piece, you know, this this cop can totally like 
commiserate everything that's going on and get Arthur Kennedy's character off their back. And instead, he fucking dies. So there's no proof of Nothing. anything. And it makes it look like this couple is responsible for his death as well. So, like, it's just this total mind fuck. These poor characters. You're like, holy shit, you know, fucking, you need to believe them. There's crazy shit. And then, of course, there's some set pieces and some well, effects here that are like, you know. I mean, the movie becomes intensely transgressive yes. at a certain point. And I mean, the, the one of the, the iconic things is the zombie ripping the women's tits off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's it's a something very delicate way of putting say, it. I, I don't know how else to put it. So I'm just yeah. going to put it out there. It's absolutely shocking. Still, it's shocking mm-hmm. it and 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 it's wild because it comes at and by the time by the time the movie ends it's got a very similar vibe to night of the living dead yeah. in that no spoilers in that they're well whatever their endings are kind of similar but also well maybe closer to the ending of carnosaur but God. more so <laughs> you and your fucking carnosaur i just by the way i just got the, my hands on the book and i just read the book carnosaur there's a Carnosaur book? It's based on a book by Harry Adam Knight. Oh, I had no oh idea. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway. Um, we'll say that for we a digress. Carnosaur podcast. Okay, close that tab. Uh, but it get it builds to this point of just like, oh, my f- fuck. What the fuck are they going to do? It, like, it, gets, it feels so hopeless. Yeah. And it's a bummer. And then the ending happens, and it's just a total dick punch. This is a trippy, wild movie. It's that, more of a dick punch than a dick rip. I mean, we we, we will specify yeah, that. We'll say the dick rips it's for a, pieces. It's a, it's a, yeah. <laughs> God, yes. <laughs> if you don't like that ending, you're fucking nuts. Uh, but that's pieces. That's another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Chris. Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, Love a.k.a. It. Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, a.k.a. A don't Look Out the Window. A.k.a. Breakfast at Manchester Morgue. Yes, there are so many fucking titles for this movie. It doesn't matter. Seek it out and find it. I have this uh, soundtrack on vinyl, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, one of the most disturbing <laughs> soundtracks. You put it on, it's just shrieks and synth noises, clanging. It's the most unsettling thing the movie is an incredible work of 70s psychedelic psychotronic cinema. Mm-hmm. Wonderful movie. Yes. Um, all all right. right. Anything else we got here? I want to just, I have two more things I want to just bring in. Okay. One I'll do real fast. All right. But I figure it's kind of fun to do this for Halloween. I like these little, little interludes, but just a 30 minute little episode. Oh, 30-minute episode of what? Tales from the Crypt. Oh. Why not just go classic HBO Tales from the Crypt? And Thank you, Walter Hill and David Geiler and... Robert Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis. and E.L. Katz. Yeah. Guys, Tales from the Crypt... There's not a whole lot of Halloween episodes. I don't even know that there are any Halloween episodes of yeah, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, but it's Tales from the Crypt, so it would always be appropriate at Halloween time. And it would be cool to do like a maybe a Halloween vibey like Tales from the Dark Side or 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 even monsters, but Tales from the Crypt, well, is a better made thing. Yeah. And one of my absolute favorites that I think is there's a lot of Tales from the Crypt episodes that were just kind of like more like crime suspense stories. Sure. Uh murderous uh lovers, jilted lovers, that sort of thing. I've always been drawn to the moldering corpse episodes. Yeah. And I think the best molder, maybe one of the best, if not the best, one of the best moldering corpse episodes of Tales from the Crypt is the the 1990 episode 
from Fred Decker. Yes. The Thing from the Grave. Yeah. With uh, Miguel Ferrer. Is it? Is it Ferrer? Yeah. Is Ferrer. It Ferrer. Okay. Uh, that's, by the way, he's Steve Lukather from Toto's Best Friend. Uh, well, he's also uh, in RoboCop. And RoboCop Deep and Deep, Deep Star, Star Six. Six and Blank Check. Yeah. Um, and... And this Albert episode, Rosengood from, or Ro, yeah, Rosengood, not not Rosengood. Albert, oh my gosh, from Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, right. And uh, also, actually, that was the last thing he did before he died. Hot Shots Part Two. Yeah, he's in that. Anyway, Miguel is wonderful. Uh, George Clooney's cousin. A lot. That's right. Yeah, that's Miguel right. Ferrer and, uh, and Ro- is Rosemary, Rosemary Clooney's, Clooney's son. But he's acting opposite Terry Hatcher, who is. You know, fun a Bond girl and and Superman's girlfriend and whatever. Uh, She's a desperate housewife. A des- okay, there's that too. But it's the classic. It is a classic episode of um, love, scorned love coming back from the dead to avenge from beyond the grave, and it literally has a moldering corpse puppet popping out of a grave, stretching its latex mouth, ah, gnashing its teeth. It's like the most evocative image that you could ever see from Tales from the Crypt. I mean, it's some, Straight from that, the comics. EC Comics did very, very Straight well. Straight from the yeah. comics. It's one of the one of the stories that didn't stray too far from its original source material. I love Thing from the Grave. I don't know if it's like a... I feel like it's maybe a season two. Maybe a season three. I think it's maybe season two. Yeah. It's an early on episode. I mean, 89, 90s. Yeah. I think it was oh, that has to be started season two. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that'd be a, a lot of fun. 30 minute, there's a lightning storm, lots of thunder and lightning, lots of you know, corpses, and, and it it's just a fun kind of halloween vibe. So let's throw that in there, too. Sure. All right. The thing from the grave. And then the last thing I want to bring to the table is, I I love this movie, man. This is one of my favorite Halloween movies. Night of the Demons 2. So this is Night of the Demons, not Demoni 2. Correct. Not Demons 2, which I love Demons 2. It's Night of the Demons 2 from Australia's greatest, maybe greatest, action director. I've he can, oh. He'll fight George Miller on this. Brian Trenchard Smith? That's right, dude. Yeah. Brian Trenchard Smith... It's the 1994 sequel to the 19... What what fucking year did Night of the... The original Night of the Demons... Like oh, I want to say it's 88. 88? Yeah. The Kevin Tenney, what people call the classic Night of the Demons, classic uh, 80s horror film, which to me has some great moments. Was Linnea Quigley in that one? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's most famous, I think, for Linnea Quigley pushing a tube of lipstick into her titty. Night of the Demons 2. I know a zombie that could rip that off for her to get it out. <laughs> Chris, Night of the Demons 2 is a slightly higher budgeted, slicker, trenchered Smith joint. It is fucking insane. It's the same writer, Joe Augustin. Um, you get uh, uh, Amelia Kincaid as Angela the Demon comes back. But you have a whole new cast of of characters. Um, Somewhere where she's eating like the olive off the toothpick in the cover box art. That's the. Is that the second one? I think that's the, the second first one. one. Is where she's, she's holding an invitation. Yeah. The second one, I think. Yeah, oh, the second one is she has 
I don't. Maybe she has a martini, and there's a it's a eyeball or something, or a name? skull, a little yeah. skull head. Yeah. Dude, okay. This is a movie that like nobody nobody talks about this movie. It blo- and I don't I cannot understand it. This was something I used to rent when I was working at the video. So store. you've seen it? Yeah, it's been forever since I've seen this movie. Dude, it's fucking insane. It's insane. It's uh and it's so Brandon, come on, funny. Let's be honest, a lot of these movies are insane. I know, but this movie is like this is 1994. This is a really bad time for horror, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like... I don't know. Full Moon was doing pretty well at the time. Yeah, but they weren't doing, like... They weren't making, like, classics, okay? And 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 I'm not going to say Night of the Demons 2 is a classic, but... It, Castle Freak? It, it had... Yeah, it's the same era. It's just, like, there are a few of them that would sneak out or get squeezed out. But for the most part, you've got this, like kind of direct-to-video nonsense. And this movie is a direct-to-video film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does this thing. It, it it has this weird, wicked, dark sense of humor that is so funny. It's it's so blackly funny. There are these characters. All of the actors are like stalwarts. When you see them, you're like, oh, oh my God. I know that person. I know that per- It's that guy or that woman or that person. It's full of that shit, dude. And I guess the most famous person in the movie is uh, uh, what's her name, Christine Taylor. Oh, uh, Ben Stiller's, Stiller's wife or ex-wife, or I don't know if they're still together, but she's in it. It's one of her first movies, and a character even at one point calls her like, "Okay, just relax, Marsha." Oh, which is yeah, that was right pretty right. funny. Yeah. And, but uh, Zoe Trilling is in the movie, who is like a, a direct-to-video like smoking hot woman who just kind of vanished she's like the sexiest woman and nobody like i don't know where i don't know what happened to zoe trilling she's in toby hooper's night terrors okay um she was in a lot of stuff she was in an amityville movie but she's so good in this um it was in an amityville movie i forget who the, the guy that plays the priest that's in this movie i i don't remember any of these actors names off the top of my head but they're all great they're all funny it's got a just a nasty, wicked sense of humor, and dude, it is fucking nasty. It is bloody. It is gross. Um, it has some great demon shit in it. It's got a pair of titties that turn into hands that grab another dude's hand and melt it. It's got a dance to maybe not Bauhaus like the original Night of the Demons, which is an incredible scene. Yeah, but there is another sexy dance to some fucking black metal song. I forget the song off the top of my head too. Anyway, it's just this underrated movie. It's full of gore and boobies and and comedy, and it's gorgeously shot. It looks so good. And Steve Johnson effects. Mm -hmm. We get amazing Steve Johnson effects. And it's made by a pro. Dude, Night of the Demons 2 is the midnight movie that more people need to fucking see. That's bottom line. All right, so that's it. That's our movies. How many movies do we have, Chris? Uh, and and episodes of shows. It's something. Let's see. Go through and count those, man. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 30, 40, 50, 50, 60, 17. 17. Lucky seventeen. All right. Let's let's do a quick thing here. Let's let's not spend a whole lot of time on this, but let's let's sequence this so that it makes the most amount of sense. Okay. All right. So what we got to do, do it, it's, Chris. It's a twenty-four hour marathon okay 
You're literally, you're going to put this first thing on, and then for 24 hours, you're going to watch shit. So that said, I think the best time to do that, to start this 24-hour marathon, we'll start it tonight. Start it right, start it tomorrow. What, this is out on a Friday. This is this episode comes out Friday, October 28th. Yeah, that's true. Start this marathon Saturday. Okay. Because when it ends, you'll have start this marathon Saturday at 12 p.m. Like noon? Noon. Noon. Okay? Because when it ends, it'll be Sunday at 12 p.m. And now you've got the rest of Sunday to kind of relax just and get kind of ready recover for, and go to sleep and get go back to it. Okay. you got enough time for your normal routine. And by the way, Monday is is Halloween. Woo! So you you're you're back on schedule for Halloween, okay? So, 12 p.m., dude. All right, so what do we start with? Come on, come on. Get well, me let's, excited let's here. Let's get into let's just go let's make it a little bit easy for us, but let's go how about the skeleton dance, just a quick little okay, nice, you know, it sets the tone, sets the table, a little, little aperitif. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. I like it. I like it. So what would be a good thing to kind of get into right after that? If you kind of like, you know, had your, your appetite, you know, wetted. Well, let's make it feel like Halloween. All right. I think it should be something that feels like Halloween out of all these movies. Trick or treat. The Michael Doherty tr- trick or treat. Okay, there we go. It's Halloween night. It's, it's short like and sweet. Four, five stories kind of in there. And yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. So, it's it's 12.06. You start trick or treat. You got it like it's 80 something minutes long. All right. Perfect. Okay. All right. So, after that, what would be something good to go into? I don't know, a little classic. Let's go old school, Let's dude. Go, yeah. Let's go old school classic. You know, get something. Because, I mean, we started like something really, really old, 29. Then we've got something that's from like the 2000s. And Modern everything. and a little more vibrant. So let's let's take it back a, a thing. You know, still want it to be nice and sumptuous, though. What do you think? Curse of the Werewolf, man. Okay. All right. Get some Oliver Reed in there. Yeah. Get All a right. classic old hammer bitch All in right. there. Sounds good. Then, again, we don't want to make it too old, but let's go, let's do something that's, look, it's still going to be close to like 3 p.m. at this point, I okay. think. Um, around 3 p.m., we're getting to the hottest part of the day. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay, it's still kind of hot. Even though it's Halloween at, in, where we're at in Dead City, Well, we got a movie a where warm. they take, most of it takes place in a desert. Dude, that's it. All right. Near Dark. Near Dark. That's right. our 3 p.m. Uh, feature. Okay. Um. Let's just break it up. Now that people are kind of introduced, maybe that's when we throw in our our Tales from the Crypt episode. Okay. Got a 30 minutes in and out, bam. Now it's like five, like 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Uh, we're now we're kind of starting to get into it and we're in that like vibe of like fall vibes. Well, are yeah, because I mean, we're, mo- we're moving into the fall and stuff like that, too. It's starting to get darker a little bit earlier and everything. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. So around five o'clock. I mean, that's the sun. The shadows are starting to get pretty long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, well, I can think of a movie of the on this list that kind of has that vibe. It starts off in that kind of long shadowy vibe, goes into a night of abject horror. Oh, Yes. Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Dude, yes! Perfect. Okay. Okay. So 5 p.m., roughly, we're Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. It's like, what, a 90-something minute long movie, I imagine? Okay, so now it's we're getting to like 6.30-ish. Um, dude, it's still early enough for the kids. Okay. It's still early enough. 
let's give them some earnest. Okay. So earnest, scared, stupid will come in after that. Okay. All right. Perfect. That's a great way to like usher in that. Uh... All right, you little bastards. We're going to watch something spooky, and then you're going to get your asses in bed. <laughs> but for those kids that stayed up a little bit extra, we're talking around 8 o'clock. Okay. Dude, it's we're in, we're getting into like prime Halloween territory here, aren't Definitely. we? Definitely. What do you think? Uh, what would be a good transition? Going from earnest, scared, stupid, but want to have you know some fun, but a little transgressive, a little scary. I think maybe Sleepy Hall would be a good one to put in there. You know, it's bloody, Around, it's scary, yes. but it's it's quirky. Um, and I think that's really kind of priming the pump there for Love it. moving into the nighttime. Love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're close to, we're, we're under two hours on that movie, right? So around 10-ish. Okay. By the time Sleepy Hollow ends, well, it's 10 p.m. So you go pee-pee and then you watch a movie. <laughs> I think around 10, well, that's the time that you'd want to tune into like the old, like some creature feature shit. Yeah. Right? Is it 10 o'clock well, at night? kind of around good. that yeah. time. Well. Chris. Oh, hey. Maybe we can get Peter Vincent to kind of host yes! it and stuff like yeah, that. Dude, so we'll, we'll perfect. do uh, Fright, Fright Night. Night. Fright okay, so 10 Night. o'clock, we get Fright Night. Um, and then that movie ends, and we're getting to the midnight hour here. Okay. For me, the midnight, I well, I said this earlier, the midnight hour is, let's get- The midnight hour is get, close at hand. Rowdy, dude. It's time to get rowdy. It's Creatures time to- search of blood. It's time to just, like, terrorize y'all's neighborhood. Yes, it's time to party a little bit. So, Do we want to party? It's party time. Okay. That would be Night of the Demons 2. Good one. Which is a Halloween party. There you go. To the T. Okay. All right. So, somewhere around 1-ish, 1-15-ish, I think. It's kind of raucous, you know. It's like, I mean, it's a Saturday night, dude. It's a Saturday night. Yeah, we're pumped. Going into Sunday morning. So let's go ahead and keep it going and everything. You know, this is usually like if you're going to be going out to the clubs and stuff like that. This is when, you know, the headliners will be coming on anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. So why don't we have some Sammy Kerr? (gasps) Dude, some fucking heavy metal party at 115. Trick or treat, bitch. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So by the time that movie ends, where are we at? We're starting to feel, well, I guess we'd probably be getting into some like, kind of uh trippy vibes oh here. no shit man it'd be crazy because this is probably going to be around know, three o'clock in the morning yeah i'd say three o'clock is pretty close to okay. it so are we approaching last call though or well we're well actually uh, i don't know this is like when the after party really starts to get you well know, this is when you're weird. kind of like going am i dreaming this shit what the fuck is going on yeah. this is when like you're really starting to kind of get a little you're peeking yeah <laughs> right well i think I think the best weird trip movie of all of these movies tonight is Gates of Hell. Oh, man, that'd fuck you up. You imagine that at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, watching crazy Ter- priests and brains getting ripped oh, out. Oh, my God. People vomiting up, guts. up guts. Yeah, dude. Okay, okay that's a 3 a.m. thing. Um, All right. So 3 a.m., Gates of Hell, like something like 90 minutes. So now we're going to go uh, close to like 4.30-ish. 4.30. 4.30 in the morning. Where what's 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 normally going to be shown at four thirty in the morning? Like really, really kind of out there, or like old school stuff. Old too. school stuff. So yeah, this is where they're going to probably show like old Vincent Price movies. And hey, we got a Vincent oh Price God. movie list. So perfect. Uh, perfect. Let's put it in there. House on Haunted Hill. Four thirty a.m. There we go. Somewhere around that time, House on Haunted Hill shows up. Okay. Oh my God, I love this. 
Um, all right, then we're wrapped. Okay, we're almost there, I think. So, well, we're like five, like 45-ish maybe okay. in the morning. So um, the sun hasn't quite broken. No, but guess what's showing up? Okay, uh, guess what's showing up? It's like almost five. Fog, it's five of the right, man, dude. The it's fog. the misty morning is showing up. So we're at the fog. It's creepy as fuck. Fog is a great creepy ghost story for almost six in the morning. Okay, cool. Seven a.m., dude. Do we have sunrise yet? I think we're about at sunrise at seven. About probably seven fifteen ish. Okay, seven fifteen. We're needing some coffee. You're going to put a lot of sugar in that coffee, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You need a lot of sugar in that coffee. You know what else like sugar? Yes. Say it. Brundlefly. The fly. Dude, that's perfect. That's a perfect shot in the arm there for your, you your coffee sensation. Okay, and it's a little bit of a bummer, so it works. It works out <laughs> great. All right, so now we're roughly at like 9, 9-ish, kind of. We're like close to 9 a.m. here. Okay. We only have a couple. We won't, we, there's only two. Yeah. I think what we need to do is we need to kind of take people into I don't I don't I we need to kind of fly people out there. So let's go from the fly, let's keep our sci-fi theme going. Okay. All right, then that gives us what Planet of the Vampires. Drop right? Planet of the Vampires. Okay. Okay, which leaves us with one thing. And and actually this works perfectly because it's one long night, is it not? It's it's one okay. long night. All right, yeah. You, it's a night. You, it, some shit starts. It starts. You're, and then you leave the theater. We're them. They're us. Yes. Night of the Living Dead, nineteen ninety. That's our final film at like ten, ten-ish something a.m. That it wraps takes us, us almost up, right up to noon. Almost perfectly at noon. That, <coughs> dude, that's almost an exactly perfect twenty-four hour horror movie marathon for Halloween. But remember, you got to stay hydrated. <laughs> If you don't get through this thing, you got to stay hydrated and caffeinated and salivated and, yeah, make sure you got all that shit. Um, I want to do this immediately. Yeah. So this is like the best 24-hour movie I'm getting, marathon. I'm getting kind of fucking old, so I'm going to have to like take a nap the day before just to set myself up for this one. Man. Yeah, I think so. I think that's okay. Just come prepared. It's all right. Look, Lots of cocaine! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, guys, that's it. It's a full 24 hours of murder, mayhem, thrills, and spookums perfect for a Halloween movie marathon. What do you think, Great Blumpkin? Honestly, I, I checked out a while ago. And um, I'm also starting to realize just how long 24 hours actually is. I'm not even sure I can make it 24 hours with all this Florida humidity. Yeah, I mean, we ripped all your seeds and guts out, and you're already starting to wither. Yeah, you're not looking so hot, Great Blumpkin. Yeah, I really got the shit into the stick, huh? Hey, is, uh, is Captain Beefheart still doing a song? What? No. You missed out on that after you hijacked our special. Damn it. I was really hoping to hear Tropical Hot Dog Night. That's a good song, you guys. Well, sorry, Great Blumpkin. You blew it. Well, I guess we all learned a lesson tonight. Halloween isn't just a night of tricks. It's also a night for treats. And the real treats are friends. And it's not nice to pull tricks on friends. You guys are my friends.
and I never should have tried to trick you two. In fact, what you really deserve is a Halloween treat. And what luck? I've got a big old dick. Ah, shit! That was fucking awesome. Did you just toss him 80s into the Great Blumpkin? Yeah, fuck that guy. It's almost Halloween. What are we going to do, watch movies or listen to that dickhead keep talking about feelings? Good point. Well, that wraps up. A very special episode of Dead City Drive-In. I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's fucking. They're probably getting murdered. Oh, and hey, to all you monsters and mutants out there, Happy Happy Halloween! Want to have words with the management? Email us at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future episode. And hey, why not rate and review Dead City Drive-In on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show, keep the admission free, and splatter just the right amount of slime and sleaze onto our mutant-friendly drive-in screen. Under 17, not admitted without parent.